Hi, I'm Tom Ranney, artist of a wide variety of things. <laughs> You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> He doesn't interrupt you anymore. You know what I'm saying? Ever, ever since the for me to like get used to him not interrupting, and I just, <laughs> no, I'm I'm slow one way. Ever since the boo card gets played like what every 35, 40 well, seconds, you know, just you know, he doesn't interrupt you. One of my boos I converse with on the reg. The other boo I I got an idea. You cut me a check, I'll talk to you all damn day long. Damn. All about the money with you, man. Not for the money. Just to shut up the other half. I'm tired yeah. of all you capitalists. I know, right? Filthy lucre. My son asked me right. socialism was today. Really? Mm-hmm. Told him it was evil incarnate. Yeah. Could be. And he asked me if Bernie Sanders was a socialist. Who did? Colin. <laughs> Excuse me, Colin. I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. (laughs) Well, no, I said Bernie Sanders is a socialist. Okay. Right? I mean, he is. Sure. But I also told Colin that socialism isn't necessarily bad. It's not my preferred way of governance. But, you know, I said to him, as you get older, you're, at least for me, uh, I'm much less dogmatic about most things. I, I try and see the other side of different perspectives and... Sure. I may still have an opinion as to which is better in any debate, but I, I'm, I'm, I'd like to think I'm much more open-minded to the other side. You remember when we were growing up, man? We were just indoctrinated with the idea that like communism was just so evil, right? Like it was yep. actually evil. Yeah. You know, and now well, our, they hunt our, our, our biggest trade partner is a communist country. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. So you look the other other way when it comes to money. That's how it works. Well, you know, it is what it is. You know. You know. We got a good week this week. Did we all get nice and fat reads on? Oh, I got lots, lots of, lots of read-ons. I got a lot of stuff I want to talk about. That's cool. Well, In- it's a shame because you're not going to really have the time this week, I think. Well, that's okay. I listen. I love listening to both of you. <laughs> mm-hmm. See, you're not going to get me down because it's Wednesday. Nobody knows. I started. Nobody knows. Oh, stop. <laughs> now you got me down. <laughs> it's 11 o'clock, comics. Keep on moving, Vince. I know. 11 o'clock. I think you rickrolled me. It's 11 (laughs) o'clock. Episode 400 and what? 17. 17. How awesome would it have been, though, if it was episode 420 today? That would have been. Yeah. The local local rocks uh, channels, like, really taking it to the extreme. Well, you live in Mexico. It's almost, like, sad. Yeah. You know? Um, it's like their Christmas. Like they just turned twenty-one. Yeah, I saw boobs. And and I am. Hey, Vince B. B does not stand for boob with that one. I am David A. Price. Ah, yes, you are. And my kitchen is so cutthroat because I am Alton Brown. <laughs> I don't know. I don't Stop. know who that is. Wait, no. what? We are done. If you finish Wait, that sentence. Is he like on a food thing, like a food show? Um, hey, I don't watch wow, those. Wow, you're things. going to be schooled Oof. next time we hang out. Really? Yeah. 
Guy What's His Face is the only show Stop I watch. Stop it. Cause... <laughs> yeah, because we in his restaurant. That's, I got a tattoo to my God, I, I feel like I owe him something because no, he, he owes us macaroni and Trust cheese. Me, he owes us. Good <laughs> fucking macaroni and cheese, man. Uh, hey, this is fun. We should keep it going. Uh, but he is not Alton Brown. He's not Alton Brown. He's Jason Wood. Wow. In, in the hizzy. And, uh, you don't have to endure the horrors of the, the food channel to get cheap comics and paraphernalia out of the previews magazine, catalog, whatever you want to call it. We call it the Sears wish book. Oh, that's so good. Yep. All you have to do is head on over to discount comic book service, dcbservice.com. One more time for the hearing impaired, dcbservice.com and you can reap the rewards. The discounts are unbelievable. Such as from Marvel. Now you know I got a major to get with this book because I'm pimping a Marvel book. I, the way I figure, Marvel doesn't need pimping. The books they sell. They sell themselves. Right? But this one, this one needs attention because it is the Howard the Duck trade paper black back collection of mm. uh, Volume Three. Bill Mantlo, John Pound. Mike Golden, John Basima, Gene the Dean, Colon. Uh, amazing stuff. The cover price on this is $34.99. It's a thick-ass book. Reprinting Howard the Duck magazine numbers 2 to 7. But you, because you're smart and you know where to get your books on the cheap, you go to dcbservice.com and you can get it for $17.49. Do the math. That's half price. Uh, from our good friend Cullen Bunn, who writes excellent horror Another horror book, this is called Night Trap. Uh, J.B. Bastos did the art. It's from a company called Lion Forge. Cover price $2.99, respect. Your price, $1.64. It's a miniseries. That's 45% off, and you got to get this. It may not be a miniseries. It's a slasher um, homage, and it doesn't say, but it's a mature reader's title, so you get on this. It's going to be bloody. It's going to be good. Uh, last but not least, David and I are pumped from Dynamite, written and illustrated by the man himself, Mr. Wat- Matt Wagner. It's, yeah, Wat Magner. It's The Shadow, Death of Margot Lane, Volume 1. Now, this one is a miniseries. Standard Dynamite price, $3.99. You can bring it into your man or woman cave for a paltry $1.99. That's half off. DCBService.com, the absolute best. There's a reason why we talk about them every week. They're just that good. They are that good. Yeah. And there's a reason why Jason makes fun of me, because I like to transpose the initial caps when I'm speaking. I don't know why I do it, but I do it. Your doors. I don't know, man. Wat Magner, like, what the hell is my brain doing? Because it's 420, it's all, bro. Uh, it's all excellent. Yeah. It's 420. I got to thank you. So you think you're better than us? Somebody sent me a book. Yeah. In the mail. Yeah. In the mail. Yep. Um, a, I will read this. I found this trade in a bargain bin of all places. This is the original run. Bop, 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 before it was brought back by Action Lab. Uh, then it was picked up again. That's why this is volume one of the new series. It's gory, violent, violent, risque. Oh, it'll be a long night. 
Yeah, really. I shouldn't have started drinking at four o'clock. Wow. Um, morning. The morning. This is from Drew Van Genderen or Genderen. Oh, I like saying Genderen. Uh, it is the first trade paperback of Zombie Tramp. Oh. Yeah, I started reading it, Drew. Man, you made my night. Well, I just have to say, I did not realize that Drew, who is a very active member of our community now, was the. Huh? Of course he is. I honestly didn't realize it was, yeah, I didn't make the connection. I'm saying gender in, cause that's the way I like to say I it. I think you're probably right. He, he may correct me, but I like, I like gender in. It, it's got a nice ring to it. But anyway. I believe it's um, gender women. Right. <laughs> ah! This, this thing is basically a really, really bad Z grade horror film on paper. So it's like Z Nation. I love Z Nation. I know you do. I really do. No, this is, it's, I'm not, it's, it's far from bad, but it is a bad movie. It's a bad, a, it's a bad. <laughs> I totally threw him off. I love it. It's, you're so freaking smart. And you gotta be. You gotta go guttural. Wait, wait, let me pause. Let me pause for a second. Dude, I nearly shat myself laughing so hard the other day. Holding, <laughs> as you guys know, is my seven year old. He let one go, and he goes, oh, man, that was a one-cheek sneak. <laughs> I was like, I'd never heard that term before, dude. Oh, a one-cheek God. sneak. Forget it, dude. Oh, my he God. Got all, he was all turned. A one-cheek sneak, Vince. Anyway. Yes, I do. I do get it. Oh, wait, there's nothing more fun, listeners, than throwing Vince off of his, cause he has this, this true. pattern. He is this like, he's like a freight train. He starts chugging, and then he gets going at like the half mile mark, so if you can throw no, him my, off, my, it, it derails. My choo-choo has been derailed. It's so yeah. great. But that's cool, because I like picking up the pieces. Nice. I enjoyed what I read. I, I think it's, it's, um. I'm surprised. It, well, it's raw, and it's, very exploitative and it's very risque. All up your alley. Yes, it, it's it's a trauma movie. Lo- you love uh, it. A trauma horror movie set to paper, and there's nothing wrong with that. So, like, I'm gonna stick with this book. I I laughed out loud a couple times, mm-hmm. and I was, right. I was I was I felt a a warm spreading glow in my nether regions in some parts. Mm-hmm. So it's good. It's all good. So thank you, Drew. I'm going to love it. And now you just cost me money. You realize that, right? Because in giving me this, now I have to hunt down the rest that of it. That was the plan, I think. I, I have to own it. So thank you, Drew. Zombie tramp. That was the plan, yo. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I don't have my book ready. My my little notebook. Oh, shit, huh? So, you guys got thank yous, or are we going to head right into I the... I, no, I just... I, it's it's weird, because I don't... I'll, I'll, I'll get this out of the way now, just so that we can be happy from here on out, but I was going through all the... Um, I was looking for something older to read, and, and I'm going through this, this, this stack on, on the bookshelf behind me, and I'm... I'm Grabbing handfuls of, of books, most of which are bagged and boarded, and I'm like, what? what? It, I, it's not, I don't want to say it's, all right, obviously, no, because it's, 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 there's nothing that, um, 
I don't, oh, man, I don't having trouble with it. I am because I'm I'm looking at all of this and I'm like, you know, I know that we've well, me specifically with 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 you know, ease up on the paper and shit. But I'm like it, it's I guess because it was out of sight, out of mind, or I, I I didn't realize what I had. But I'm like I'm I'm pulling things out, and I read things once, and we all do this: we read it once, put it away. But I'm going through stuff, and I'm like, why why did I keep buying like Stormwatch PhD, or or keep going with like just the the Denny Detective comic stuff? And I'm like I'm I'm going through all the stuff, and I'm like. I have so much crap and, and it's, yes, it's because of DCBS that, that I bought all of this because everything was discounted, but I'm like, I have way too much stuff that I just, I don't read anymore. Huh. See, I thought you were going to go off on bagging and boarding. Well, that's, that's, I mean, you know, at least they're kind of, they're, I stopped that a lot. I know. Time and, now. and the, the stuff I buy now, I don't bag and board, but this was all because I wanted to just keep them, Neat on the shelf without them sliding right, down with the right. spines and, and, and then I can just throw them in a box and keep them in the crawl space, but I'm, I'm gonna have to thin some stuff out and just That just, crawl space must be like the TARDIS, man, cause you got a lot of stuff in like, there. It's like, uh, it's like Armstrong's bag. It is. It's exactly or the like TARDIS. Or, or the TARDIS, yeah. Or the no, TARDIS. No, no, or the no, Wave Rider on, uh, well, no, it's like the, tomorrow. And so it it's like the TARDIS. TARDIS. It's the TARDIS. But anyway, now let me clarify before someone, you know, calls me a heretic. Bagging and boarding, if you're going to bag and board, you got to use Mylar, right? No. None of this polypropylene garbage. And only for silver or bronze. Yeah, you don't, you don't is need... This, uh, is this like... Nine, are we back to uh, year two of our show? I feel like we had this debate six years ago. No. But it's... What I'm saying is for books, for current books, right. and, and current meaning the last like 10 years, you don't need to bag and board. Gotcha. That, that, that paper will not degrade in your lifetime. No, you don't. You just don't need to use mylar, though. No, you you, you use polypropylene. You're going to leach the color from your cover. Within five years, it'll leach the color the cover, color out of that cover uh, stock. It will. It, I'm telling you, it will. Well, polypropylene is I've bad. Polypropylene that have been in my collection for 20 years and they're they look good. Hold the bag up to the light. Look yeah. fucking awesome, dude. Um, yeah. but no, I mean, I there's. No regrets, not a single letter, and there's nothing that I, um, it's just, oh, there are things that, you know, I read, I'm glad I read them, the stories are there, but they'd be there even if I, if they were available digitally at the time, but it's, and, I, and I'm not trying to get into the whole paper digital debate, everything has a purpose, everything does, exists for a reason, but I'm like, I, I just, there's, it's one thing to go through and, and find old issues of like Marvel Team Up. Or, or DC Comics presents, but, but come oh, across yeah. things from, you know, like, like, those are gold, barely though. 10 years ago. And you're like, why did I, why, why did I? Yep. I mean, it's not, it, it's not the Jason Aaron Ghost Rider. It's not, yeah. you know, it, it's just, it's, it's just out of the blue, this stuff where it's like, why was I, why, why, why did I still need to buy the Demon Knights? Um, all right, Wolverine, uh, Ultimate Power number one. And, <laughs> Ooh, and right. there's, well, these are the Annihilation issues of Nova, so that's fine. But I mean, there's some things where it's just like, yeah, I don't, I, why? Why are they here? Well, I think inertia 
is a little bit of a uh, an explanation because you know if you buy a series and it's really great first couple of years and you're in in your 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 twenties right. uh, issue issue number wise you're not you're, you're less likely to stop buying when it starts to go to to suck fill. You're right. Yeah, the, the R.I.P. copies of Detective Comics. Oh, here we go, Vince. The uh, Houston Moon Knight series. Oh my god. Oh. I got one for you. Yeah. As you know, I, whenever you did call, you gave Kyle's room, you know, I had all the, all, a bunch of long boxes in that closet. So oh, I, I know. I emptied them out and I was looking, I was like, and I had some loose comics. So I was putting them into new long boxes to bring. And I'm like stacking and just grabbing, you know, just grabbing handfuls, putting them in the box. And one of the things that I, I, I look, I glance upon as I'm going to put them in the box is identity disc. Yes. Oh, terrible. Whew. I, really terrible. I think. Number one, why did I buy it? Number two, why did I keep it and have it bagged and boarded? <laughs> bagged and boarded right there. That's I mean, You can leave that one in the poly bag. <laughs> Just let it get Ed. <laughs> Listen to it scream over the decades. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. So good stuff. Speaking of uh, things we don't regret, what are you guys drinking tonight? Oh, nice. I'm drinking Yingling. Respect. But I, I think it's skunked. It, because it, there, it's cans, number one. And two, it's been in the refrigerator for a really long time. And like, you know that, that little effervescent, borderline fizz when you take the first sip of a beer? Like nothing. It's, it's, it's stagnant. It's lifeless. But I'm drinking it anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not proud. <laughs> Ain't you proud to beg y'all? No. True. Uh, we heard we were driving in today, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm flipping through. Serious. I, I finished listening to POTUS, and I'm going through everything. And I, I hit XM Fly, and I hit Backspin, and then I have to stop because Renee starts bouncing around in his seat because Freak Like Me comes on, and she's just singing along to it. It was, it was a good morning. What's that? It's you've you've you. If you hear the song, you know what? What's her name? Indira Howard. And but yeah, it's it's a um. It's it's a song from the nineties, Vince. Okay, I was all about the hair bands then. Yeah, yes, I were. know. I, I have Hair Nation on there too, and and oh, and on the way home we were listening to Cherry Pie, and, and because the windows were open, she couldn't hear it too well, so she thought at first that it was Def Leppard's uh, "Pour Some Sugar on Me." Uh, <laughs> cherry uh, Cherry Pie, the video that brought Bobby Brown to the world. Mm-mm-mm, that woman. <laughs> Adina. Howard. Oh look, Adina. That's her. They they hit her with a fire hose. <laughs> I, I wonder I if there's understand. any subtext to that. What are they saying? <laughs> I don't know what they're implying with this. And the album cover with where the pie just falls and why is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 They're it's subtle. Warren. Oh, Warren were very subtle. Yes. Uh, I, as subtle as white snake. I saw them at a dive bar called the Lowdown in Mount Vernon, where it was way way. It, way past their prime, and there's and my man and Janie actually he doesn't he 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 steps down because where the where the band was set up there was it was one step from the barroom floor it wasn't like it was a stage or anything and he he steps down and he's like walking around the bar singing at people and it's just like dude stop yeah there was a time when seeing Warrant and Faster Pussycat like like bands like that it was an inevitable rite of passage. At that time, if you wanted to go see a big band like Rat or Cinderella, you had to endure 
the faster pussycats in the warrants. There you go. It just, it, that's just the way it was. And I wonder if, if the dudes from Cinderella still send John Bon Jovi a thank you card for actually making them, making, <laughs> making aware of them. No, well, I don't know about it's, that. It, that first Cinderella album's really good. Very good album, actually. You don't like it? I. You don't know what you got no, till it's gone. <laughs> I, actually, I don't think, I don't think I had the Cinderella CD. I, I, I know, I, I spent a lot of my money on, on the white snakes, the imports, the white vinyls and, and, uh, Me too. I did buy the Def Leppard vinyl. There, there were some vinyls that I bought and I enjoyed the hell out of, but Cinderella was, and, and even Bon Jovi pretty much ended with me with, with, um, Wanted Dead or Alive. So, I mean, after yeah. that, I was pretty much done with them. And thank you very much for bringing this up just because I get to watch Jason Listen to Jason. Just sit there. Because <laughs> he's just like, what? He's just like, we're talking. It's like you guys talking rap when when you and I talk air, man. Uh, it's like, what's up with Kevin? Like I always say, when you grew up our, in our era, you you knew there were two types of kids. There were the headbangers ball kids and the Yo! TV raps kids. Never, it's never very the strange show me. Nope. Not, until, so. until Anthrax. I, I, I'm kind of right in the middle there. If you're in the, it's like being a, it's like being part communist, part, part, uh, you know, being a democratic socialist? Yeah, man, it's just not, it's not it doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work! <laughs> Jason, what are you drinking? It just doesn't work that. I mean, I love you, you know that. I, I, I die for you, but it's not making sense right now. Uh, I am drinking a new grape. We've been part of this, uh, for like six months we've been part of this wine club called Bright Cellars. Yes. And yeah, I gotta say, like the first month I was like very close to saying nah, cause I was like, eh, I don't know, it's not so good. But the whole conceit, it's a Silicon Valley backed startup, was that it's kind of like, um, like Pandora used to be where you, they send, you fill out a questionnaire, then they send you wines, and then you're supposed to give them feedback on each wine, very specific feedback on their website, and then they custom it, customize it. And so I ordered the first month, I was pretty skeptical because of the five bottles they sent me. I liked two of them, I didn't really like three of them. Um, Beth liked three of them though. But so anyway, so, but I went to the site to customize, and I have to say we're six months in, and either it's it could just be random because they send me five different wines every month. But they have started. It seems like they've gotten it right based on because like the last two months every bottle has been awesome, and this is one of those bottles, and it's called Bootstrap Red. Uh, it's a it's a blend. It's from California. It's 2013 vintage. Uh. And uh, it's quite good. It's by the Cambridge Cellars Vineyard. Uh, it says, uh, this juicy red tantalizes the palate with flavors of red cherry and boysenberry, finishing with hints of vanilla. And then they even suggest that you enjoy it with a dish of smoky, slow-roasted baby back ribs. Oh. So it's quite good. It's very, very drinkable. Um, has, a, has a really nice finish. I, I'm, I'm loving the hell out of it. So I don't even know if you can buy it like in the stores. I have no idea. But uh, but if you can, I'd give it a whirl. I will keep an eye out for it. Mm-hmm. Now you say um, we, and I know that because I looked into it when you mentioned them the first time, and it's it's not really set up so that Renee and I the, the questions are catered more towards one person, so it's not like oh she right, and I no, could, that's true. So knowing. You and I have a preference for anything that's not white. When you say we, is 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 Beth enjoying what they're offering also? 
She is. I mean, uh, right. You, and you bring up a good point. I mean, I'm, I'm tailoring it to my tastes. She's coming along for the ride. Okay. That's the way it should be, right? right. I mean, I'm the one paying the bill, you know what I'm saying? They're for right. Rizzle, yeah. No, I'm down with that. She gets a new laundry room, I get the wine, you know what I'm saying? I'm down with that. <sighs> Damn. By the way, shout out, shout out to my, my accountant. Shout out to him. <laughs> Cause my man worked some wonders this year. I don't know how he did it, but props. Dap. Well, I mean, I, we have a new accountant. I don't know if I can really shout him out. I mean, we're not seriously fucked this year, but hey, I am drinking, trying this again. Oh, I'm not trying it again. I'm having it again. It is, uh, their gung ho red blend from Mato. Chibo Mato. I really nice. hate the label. It's a bunch of gold O's and then it's got the, it, it's, well, I'll take a picture. It, it's pretty cool looking. But anyway, yeah, it's, um, it's it's good. It is a nice red blend. Cool. All right, let's do what we came here to do. We we're only forty five minutes into the show, and we're getting to the comics now. Well, first of all, we're twenty five because I came on at nine twenty. Yeah, and, and oh, we're, that's right. I talked to David for twenty right. minutes before you. Oh, sorry, I had to put up twenty minutes before you talked to me this week. And uh, and and we weren't talking about anything we've been reading, but we have been talking comics more or less. So it's yeah. So good. Don't worry. Don't worry. I got something. What you got? I got a manga. Well, for reals? For reals. We haven't talked about a manga in a while. It's been a while. I think, uh, I think I was. I I was the last one to bring it up, I believe. But now there was a little bit of. I think I brought up the last manga. No. Well. No. I I thank Flip for giving me the, um, the, the, the wine manga. All right, this you did. Okay. What manga there was reading, a, All right, there was a little bit of forgiveness that had to be done before I ordered this book. Okay. Jason, remember Seven Seas Entertainment? They were the ones that published that horrific Moby Dick manga. Oh, for reals? Seriously? Yeah, it was Moby Dick, Don Quixote. What, what was it? Um, uh, a James Joyce, um, manga. Uh, was it Ulysses? I don't remember, oh, but I ordered, no. I ordered them all and I took a look at them and I, I read none of them. They went right on the shelf, didn't even That's bother. So blackness. you ordered the Moby Dick, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. We weren't happy. Let's just put it that way. That's why we didn't talk about it. Before you go into but, this though, can I, cause I'll forget if by, by the time you're done with your review, uh, can sure. we shout out the fact that we're going to get a freaking hardcover slip cased reprint of Akira? Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, how big is this book going to be, like thickness? I mean, seriously, it's not going to be just one volume, right? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, that would be a huge volume. Um, yes. Hold on one second, because now you've, you put us on the spot here. Uh, I don't know. Why don't you talk? Because I, I, we... And I'm down with it. I'm down yeah. with the Akira. And it's funny you should mention Akira, because the main character in this book is named That's Akira. Cool. And, oh. No, no. But anyway, so, forgiveness. Seven Seas, mm-hmm. we're forgiven Briefly, because it's a zombie book. It's a zombie manga. I got to at least try the first volume, despite the company. And I was very pleasantly surprised because as zombie comics and manga goes, there are a lot of them, mm-hmm. right? So it, if you're going to stand out from the, the rest of the, you know, the teeming horde of, of zombie books, you need to be different. 
You need to have a spin, a hook, something that differentiates you from the pack. And I believe this book does. But I didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming, and it's right in the title of the book. Huh. So, um, story and art by Sukasa Saimura. It is called Hour of the Zombie. Now, let me put my glasses on, because I'm old, and I gotta see what I'm doing. Holy crap. The headphones are not being conducive to my glasses. I'm gonna pause for one second. Bing. Professionalism right out the window. Alright. But you paused. I did pause. Not the, not the recording. I paused my, I, well, I muted my microphone. Alright. It's a Japanese high school. Go figure. Um, and this is not high school of the dead. It's not sexy yet. Uh, you have young Akira, who is a uh, bantamweight boxer in school. He's on the boxing team. Mm-hmm. And, and he likes to hang around with his buddy, Riji. And uh, Riji's very, very good at boxing. Problem is, Riji has a hothead. And he was called out by um, some students... And he's going to stand up for the underdog and go beat the shit out of someone. So that's not a good thing if you are in a um, a sports club in school and you get disciplined. The chances are very good that you will not participate in your chosen sport should you find yourself in detention or something even worse, maybe expelled. So a uh, friend of Akira and Riji is young Kurumi. Mm-hmm. And, and Kurumi definitely has the hots for Riji. Problem is, Akira has the hots for Kurumi. And um, he just fawns over her, like constantly. Um, re- they, they, she, she, she gets him during lunch and says, Akira, come on, we got to go stop Riji. He's going to have a fight. He's going to get in trouble. Blah, blah, blah. You know, the thing that girls, girls do. So, um, Akira's like, what the hell is going on? Like, she's really worried about him. Like, why doesn't she worry about me? And it's, you know, you get the, the high school, the drama that, that's so important to these kids during, but they seem to forget not long after, right? So they come upon Reiji and he's giving the smackdown on these kids. He's beating the shit out of them, punching them all around. Blood is flying. And Akira's like, dude, you got to stop. You're going to kill these people. And Riji says, you don't understand. These kids are biting people. Huh. And, and I thought I saw one eating somebody. Like, this is not good. I got to I gotta show these guys what, you know, give these guys what for. And he punches Kurumi in the face. Mm-hmm. A girl punches her in the face when when she tries to to um to stop him, and then that just incense incenses Akira, and and stuff goes from really really bad to worse mm-hmm. because one of the uh, one of the students that Riji was was quote disciplining bites Kurumi on the neck, and she instantly, not instantly, but not long after, very quickly turns into a bloodthirsty zombie. Her eyes go all white and she's trying to she bites Reiji on the ear and she she's going after people. So um 
Akira's like, what the frig is going on? He grabs a shovel. There's students all over the campus, white-eyed, eating people, biting people, killing people. People are falling out of windows. Blood is all over the place. What the hell is going on? So he finally finds Kurumi, and she's in a, in a classroom alone. Um, and, and he hears this sickening sound, and Kurumi is eating one of her fellow classmates, like just chowing down on this person. Like Huffman Rip- Dill or like? You no, know, like, I, um, I guess really specific. I think she's, she's biting his face off. Lovely. Or, or parts of his face. Oh. And, um, you know, I gotta say, I love the Japanese, but they do not miss an opportunity for a panty shot. They don't Look, miss. I, I mean, this, it. it's, it's no, zombie. Where does Scarlett Johansson come into all this? I don't know, yeah. but soon. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so Akira sees Kurumi, this girl he loves, in this state, she comes flying at him. He's got the shovel, puts the shovel up. She bites the shovel. She's like inches away from his face. And he's like, I know you can do it. I know this is not you. You have to revert to your true self because I love you. Eh, eh, eh. And she just stops and turns back human. Wait, what? And that's the conceit. Hour of the zombie. Mm. Something, <laughs> something. No, listen, and it happens at multiple instances. You never know when it's going to happen. Oh, so you're saying it's like a werewolf, like an affectation? No, it is. Something is con- something is bringing this upon these children. But I mean, but, it's an affectation in that, like a werewolf, they can turn back normal. But they don't know when. Well, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying, so to be clear, they, they're not permanently a zombie. It's like... No. Okay. Well, at least as far as the first volume goes. No, they're not permanently a zombie. So, so um, like situation it gets very bad they're trapped in the school um the kids turn to zombies they storm rooms and they're beating down the door just like night of the living dead trying to get in there and then all of a sudden they stop it's like what's going on why are all these chairs on me or why am i covered in blood like they don't they have no recollection of what happened but once they find out like when you wake up from a stupor or you come out of a stupor and you got somebody's arm in your mouth like the realization of what you're doing kind of dawns on you pretty damn quick. So there's a level of revulsion and guilt mm. and, and, um, they're, they're slowly going crazy because they don't know when they're going to turn. The survivors don't know if anyone that's with them is going to turn at any, any moment. Right. It's a really neat spin on the standard, you know, the zombie tropes. It's, it's very cool. And, um, uh, Akira at one point duct tapes. Kurumi's arms and legs because he just wants to help her mm-hmm. and he, he doesn't want to you know do the standard kill the brain and the body I'll die deal so he he duct tapes her but when students find out that he duct taped her tape her he, uh, he's ostracized like how could you do that to her she, you know she's your friend blah 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 well she was trying to bite my face off yeah. two minutes ago you know and it's just so so you get the standard um the 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 hierarchical class struggle that always happens in, 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 in school. You get the jocks and there's one guy who's a rugby player and he turns and it's, it's really not, not pretty. I mean, this guy's a beefcake and he's just ripping the shit out of people. Um, then there's another little wrinkle. There's an opportunist in the midst. He's a cold blooded opportunist. His name's Takeru and he at one point he has a baseball bat. Okay. At one point he kneecaps his supposed friend 
So the friend goes down and keeps the, bo- the zombies busy while he makes his escape. Mm-hmm. And he does it a number of times during the first volume. That's fucked. No, it's cool. It's a cool little book. No, I'm saying uh, that, that's fucked of him. That's it sure is. Yeah, right. Um, there's this one girl whose jaw has been horribly distended, like ripped. And she's just running around, shirt wide open, jaw flapping in the breeze. And she's trying to eat people. It's nuts. It's this book is crazy. Art wise, it's a bit of a surprise. In what way? It's um, it's a little bit like Death Note. It's a the artwork is a little too clean, Ooh. I think, for the theme. Like you know Death what? Note. It's funny you say that because it's something I'm going to talk about in a bit. I'm, I was going to make the same comment about the art on that. So, Kismet, go ahead. Cool. Like I love Death Note. I think it's a very yeah. very good, but. And I love the cartooning. The character design is brilliant. I wished that the art style was a bit more like, um, if you're familiar with it, Doro Hidoro. That gritty, raw, just slap it down. You can feel the pen dip digging into the paper. That kind of, um, uh, gritty's overused. Very visceral, um, unvarnished line. This, the lines in this are very sculpted. The, the character design, and the implementation is all clean. Um, the it does take a turn when the zombies pop up, but only briefly. And uh, I wish it was just a little bit darker, a little bit dirtier, a uh, little bit more raw. But it's working because I want to get the second volume. Okay. And it's and how, uh, how many? If it's a manga, so I'm always like, how how crazy is it? I, uh... I didn't research the length okay. of it, but. Um, it's I, I would uh it's not one piece that's for sure there's not 70 some volumes but uh, I'll do a little bit of research this was 12.99 it's uh suggested for older teens and it's from uh Seven Seas written and drawn by Sukasa Saimura mm-hmm. Hour of the Zombie very good now see the cover's a bit misleading because the cover is raw and visceral and dark and bloody and um I I thought based on the cover that the interior would be the same but it's not mm-hmm. So maybe it will take a turn, but I don't see it deviating stylistically that much from this first volume. Okay. All good. It's all good. I enjoyed it. And I'm 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 intrigued. I want to I definitely want to read more. That's all we can ask for, definitely. right? Definitely. Good stuff. Good stuff, Seven Seas. You're in my good graces for now. Aww. Do another one of them damn Moby Dick pieces of crap and you'll be gone. No. <laughs> so all right. A very highly anticipated, long-touted, long-awaited graphic novel came out this past week. Ah, yes. Uh, Wonder Woman, Earth One, Volume One. Written by Mr. Grant Morrison. With art by Mr. Yannick Paquette. Uh, For those with a long enough memory, Grant was... Tied to an all-star Wonder Woman book for a long time. Yeah. I'm going to presume this is the evolution of that. I don't know the backstory. I don't know if and when the change was made or whatever. But I guess at some point it was it was changed from that because the all-star line kind of fizzled into being tied into the Earth One, which is a series of original graphic novels that feature key DC characters that 
are essentially reimaginings of them. It's meant to appeal to a new generation of readers. There have been, what, I think two volumes of Batman, two volumes of Superman, two volumes of Teen Titans, right? Have Maybe you been three to of Teen one. Titans? Yeah, the second Teen? one just came out. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 So there might have been a third of the Batman or Superman, I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, listen, I mean, I think we're all generally Grant Morrison fans. I mean, Vince used to think of him as the greatest writer of all time, and I know he's kind of soured on him of late. But generally, I, I think Grant Morrison's a good writer, especially when it's something he's passionate about. He is a good writer. And I'm a huge fan of Yannick Paquette's art. Oh, yes. Um, had a great uh, time speaking to him last New York Comic Con, and uh, Dap and I chatted him up a bit. It was last year, right, Dap? Or was it two years it ago? Was. That was, no, it was two years ago. It wasn't oh. last year. Um, so I thought, you know, look, down, like, it couldn't, hard to go wrong here. Um, I would say that the, uh, the book is, how would I characterize it? Hmm. Um, first of all, did you, did either, did either of you guys read it? No. I'm very likely to, though. Okay. Do you want me to hold off on the spoilers then? No, of course not. Well, well, let me, how do I say this? Um, I, I guess if, if the opposite of 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 love isn't hate but apathy, then I was rather apathetic toward the book. Wow! Like I didn't hate it by any stretch. Like it was fine, but but I I I thought it was a really uninspired reimagining of Wonder Woman. Mm. See, apathy to me is far worse than hate. Right? No, that's what I mean. Because yeah. it doesn't elicit any emotion at all. That's right. devastating. Right. I've heard yeah. a couple of reviews of this online and a few people like super hated it because they thought it was like an abomination of the feminist movement. And I saw others that loved it. And, and I must admit, I listened to these reviews prior to my reading the book because they're just shows that I listened to in general and I hadn't gotten around to it. And, um, so I was kind of like fascinated by what I would think of it because it was such diver, diver, diversion opinions. Um, and I came away kind of in neither camp. I came away thinking like, eh, it's fine, but like, I'll probably forget I ever read it in no year. Um, so the setup is essentially Morrison's reimagining of the Wonder Woman mythos, primarily focused through a lens of her origin story. Um, now, it's my understanding that Morrison contends that he read like an insane amount of feminist work like like nonfiction feminist doctrine in anticipation of writing this book because as we know Wonder Woman's creator was actually in many cases considered to be very some call him a pro like a like a pro feminist but I've heard others say in fact he's not he's actually like a a female elitist um and he also was in the bondage you know, the guy was, yeah. the guy was yeah. very, very much. Yes. But, but anyway, very so this book, um, first of all, again, I'm a huge fan of Yannick Paquette's work. I, I think he's, he, he's, he draws the female form as well as anyone else out there in comics, you know, whether it be Adam Hughes or Art Adams or, or, you know, you, you Terry Dodson, whatever you want to pick. I mean, I think he can draw the female form. Brett Blevins. <laughs> yeah. Brett Blevins. Absolutely. Um, but as you alluded, Vince, to the manga, I personally think, given the tone of the book and what Morrison was going for in terms of his message, Paquette was not the perfect fit for the book. Hmm. Because the book is too clean. The lines are too pretty. 
Everyone is too perfect. Um, there is rape in this book. There is bondage. There's, and because of it, my biggest complaint with the book is the, the subject matter and the tone lent itself to true carnality. Like this should have been a very human, carnal, visceral book. And partly because it's a Earth One OGN, which is actually meant to appeal to rather relatively younger readers, and partly because it's Wonder Woman, I I think it really missed the mark visually relative to the message that Morrison was trying to convey. And you know, you guys know I'm a massive fan of the hero books by David Rubin. Yep. Um, you know, they were my favorite books of last year. And, you know, they tackle and reimagine the Hercules myth. So it's similar ground, right? I mean, Wonder Woman is in a, I mean, she's DC's mythological, right? She, I mean, like it's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like no, it's in the ballpark. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, she's of that it's, same ilk. I realize she's a superhero. Because they could be cousins. Yeah. So, so like I couldn't help but reading this thinking if David Rubin was doing this, it would have been off the charts because like in Hero, you know, you've got Hercules, like, it's not just implied that he had, like, homosexual relationships, because that was very common in Greek, ancient Greece. They showed him having homosexual relationships, you know what I mean? Like, it was him making love to another man. Like, when his wife is brutally beaten by him when he's under spell, like, his wife is brutally beaten in the comic. So, comics are a visual medium. When you're seeing it happen, it's just unbelievably powerful, and it's an image that will never leave you. So in this book, we are told that Diana has a lesbian lover. We're told that um, his, uh, her mother, Hippolyta, it's Hippolyta, right? That's her mom? You're yeah. asking me how to pronounce that? Uh, no, but seriously? Uh, I'm saying that's the mom's name, right? Right. We're, I always say Hippolyta. Okay, well, but we're told that she's raped by Hercules. You know, like we're told that. We're told that that they're all sapphic because they don't, you know, they haven't had men in centuries. Like we're told these things, but we're never shown them. Yeah, it could have been for con for the age group no, that's it, being it, produced for. No, and that's what I'm saying. Like I get why we didn't see it, but it really yeah. loses. Like it's a visual medium, so it loses the significance. Like Wonder Woman saying, like, "Oh, she's my lover." Those are just words, right? Like they don't. Right. What do they mean? I mean, like, like. Is that supposed to be titillating? Is that supposed to have a teenage kid read and be like, oh my god, they're lesbian? Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is 2016. Right. Like, that shouldn't be the words or the idea that she would have a lesbian lover in an all-woman society shouldn't even be even modestly um, controversial or uh, interesting. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we're like, I would think we're past that societally, like by itself. Right. So you don't see it. Like, and again with the bondage, I mean. Uh, Diana asks Steve Trevor to submit to her, but in doing so, she literally holds out a spiked collar to him in a hotel room and says, submit to me. And then he paquetrols Steve Trevor with a face that's like, the fuck? But that's it. Like, there's nothing, like, he doesn't take it. He doesn't say no. He, like, there's just no, there's no visual confirmation of these components of the origin of Wonder Woman that Morrison was trying to play with. You know what I mean? And uh, it just, I think, really left the story far less than it should have been because what it really comes down to then is 
um, a lot of really pretty, beautifully drawn pictures of gorgeous, perfect women standing around together doing nothing. And then Diana is on trial, quote unquote, because Morrison basically redid a classic story where Steve Trevor, you know, lands on Paradise Island, which they call Amazonia here. And Diana rescues him and then goes off to World War One to fight with him and leaves the island. In this book, she rescues Steve Trevor and in order, she, there's a, a, an annual games where the, the winner is, is, is crowned the Wonder Woman. And in this, in this book, um, Diana's lover is the Wonder Woman. She's the one that wins the thing every year. Is it Artemis? No, um, I can't think of her name. It's no, it's, I don't think it's someone we've ever seen before. At least I hadn't okay. seen her, but uh, like this kind of dime piece blonde girl, but, but whatever. But like, and, and Diana always wants to compete and her mom won't let her because she's like, well, no, you're too powerful and blah, blah, blah. So she, in order to Steve, save Steve Trevor, she, she ends up entering herself and winning very easily, dethroning her lover as the Wonder Woman. And whoever wins the crown can basically name their prize. So she asks for the invisible jet. She gets it. And then she uses the invisible jet to rescue Steve Trevor. <laughs> um, Sorry. Yeah. So, so like, again, sounds like a mess. Again, it it's does. like, no, like it's the whole thing is fine. Like it, it's cohesive. It's not like a Morse. Like it makes sense. It's cohesive. The visuals are great. I mean, they're beautiful, but it's just so clean. And yet the story talks about Wonder Woman being a product of rape and the idea of this woman being so strong that she's that that in her idea of having a grown man submit to her is like almost like an act of love and all these very potentially interesting concepts about love and relationships and sex and yet none of that is visually matched with what Morrison is trying to draw out of the mythos so to me it's just a very flawed effort you know and again it's not like a a failure like it's not like a failure as an entity, I mean, it's a fine comic, I guess, but it just doesn't really do what it should do. Like, I can't believe it's, it's I can't believe that the final product is at all what Morrison had intended when he said, I'm going to do this book. It sounds like his all-star Wonder Woman was repurposed for this Earth One thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, precisely. Yeah. 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 So again, like, I don't want to, like, I didn't really want to shit on it. Like, it's a, you know, but I know it's a popular book. It's on everybody. I think someone started a forum thread in our in our Facebook group about it. And um, like, I, you know, listen, I'm, I'm a 41 year old white man, so I can't profess to be super in touch with the idea of feminism versus like femme supremacy and what is a perp like, cause I, I heard a woman give a very thoughtful an academic of a very thoughtful review of this book where she really ripped it to shreds contending that the things Morrison was professing to be pro feminist were in fact like abominations of that. Now I can't come at that from that angle because I'm almost by definition I'm I'm not a feminist I I don't I you know and and maybe I'm ignorant I just but I don't I can't pretend to know what where the line is drawn between real feminism and, and not like I believe Morrison intended to be like pro feminist and and be true to the creator's vision of Wonder Woman like I believe that was his intent but I just think again like it just was limited by the imprint and the fact that they got a really beautiful but super clean artist to do the book like this book should have been like like not Rabin, but like like grampa or like just somebody like visceral you know what i mean like someone that's gonna like make it feel like nasty you know like josh bayer yeah whatever that'd be fun. Like, no you know like because <laughs> like, like, sex and bondage and violence like they're it's it's 
it's supposed to feel like organic, you know? You know who would do a good job on that? Matt Wagner. You know, that's interesting because, I mean, he's, he, he can, as we all know, be very clean. Oh, yeah, yeah but he can get but, really but dark. Really, yeah, 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 no, yeah. no, that, that's true. That's true. Yeah, but either way. So, again, I mean, so so my review of this is, you know, if you're a huge Wonder Woman fan, I'm curious what you think because I – it's it's not like any comic from Wonder Woman we've seen in a long time, which may be a good thing, but but it's not like – I don't know. It's just it, – it just – I'm going to remember this as something I feel like where it was uh, an unfulfilled promise, you know? Stillborn. Yes, yes, very, yeah, yes. very well said. Yeah, so you know it is what it is. Again, like visually, it's gorgeous. I, I, I don't want like I, I don't know that Yannick listens, but we have talked. I, I mean, I like there's nothing visually wrong with the book. I just don't think it was a good match for the subject matter. That's all. Sure. So, all right, I've rambled long enough. I want to hear what Daph's reading. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, actually, wait first. There be because it wasn't a lot that I read this week because I just read up to I haven't started issue one twenty nine, but I read up to issue one hundred and twenty eight of The Walking Dead. So I'm moving right along with that. Ice. So um and I think Vince stopped reading too soon. Okay. No, I read it. No, I know you did, and I I, I have no problem. I, I respect you stopping when you did, but I think if if you had held out until the end of All Out War, I think that that would have been a, a, a fine fitting conclusion, and, mm-hmm. and and you wouldn't have had anything dangling. It's just it's my two cents. It's just I have no problem with where you stopped, but right. it would have been maybe some closure or at least some some satisfaction if if you even even if Maggie killed Negan, it wouldn't be. I enough. know. I I I, I get it. I, well, I just read the twenty fifth trade, and so uh, I won't go there because I won't spoil it for death. But uh, it's like I said last week; it's good, man. I'm 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 right back in it. I'm totally back in it. And I was, um, and I know he came on board so that they because apparently all out war. It was twelve issues over the over fewer months than that. That they had an accelerated schedule so that storyline could continue. And Adlard actually had a. Um, an assist with the art and uh, yeah. Stefano Guarino um, yep. inked the uh, mm-hmm. the work for him, and I, I I like the way they work work together. It, it it's no diggity. It's still that scratchy feel, but it's it's a little somewhat cleaner. A little uh, the, the the line has um, a little bit more polish, so it's it's a good fit. But uh, because yesterday they announced uh, the Eisners for 2016, they did. Um, and as I'm always flipping through, um, old fanzines, uh, I, I'm sure I knew it at the time, but it's something that I, do you know when you guys know when the Eisners actually started, right? You mean the year? Yes. Um, I'm going to guess. Go ahead. 82. Incorrect. Wow. I have no idea that. Uh, well, the history lesson for this is uh, back in 1985, Amazing Heroes had the results in their August 15th issue 
of the first annual Jack Kirby Awards. Okay. And I'll go through who the winners were. So in 1985 and 86 and 87, mm-hmm. you had the Jack Kirby Awards. In 1987, there was a dispute between um, award creator or founder. Um, it was uh, – Ulrich was his uh, – Dave Ulrich was the managing editor at um, – or he was, he, he worked, he was, he was part of the creators behind the Kirby Awards. There was a dispute between Ulbrich and Fantagraphics, which was okay. the publisher of Amazing Heroes. So the awards were then, the Jack Kirby Awards ceased in 1987. And in 1988, with the discontinuation of that award, two new awards were created. Mm-hmm. One of them being the Eisners, the other being the Harvey Awards. So 1988 would be the first year for the, uh, Ooh, uh I was off a little, little bit, a little bit. Um, so in 1985, your, um, you had your choice between, uh, so this is for work. In 1984, works on in 1984, the best single issue, Love and Rockets number five, or Swamp Thing number 32, or Swamp Thing number 34, <laughs> Swamp Thing <laughs> annual number two, oh, yes. or Teen Titans 50, which was the winner for that year. Yeah, that was a great oh, issue. Teen Titans, Titans 50. No, Titans 50 was a really good issue. Right, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Swamp Thing annual number two. Okay. By Alan Moore, Steve Bissett, and John Totalbin. Your best continuing series. Of course. American Flag, Cerebus, mm-hmm. John Sable, Nexus, Swamp Thing. One of these things is not like the <laughs> other. <laughs> Swamp Thing is your best continuing series for 1985. Best black and white series, American Splendor, Cerebus, ElfQuest, Journey, Love and Rockets. I think Love and Rockets got it. Mm, I'll say Cerebus. Jason's right. Boom! <laughs> best finite series. <laughs> he wasn't even, he wasn't even I know, it wasn't yet, but it's alright. Uh, best finite series, and the first one is, is, is a joke, but Camelot 3000. <laughs> I told you it was a joke. Cloak and Dagger, cause I don't think it ever still, I don't even think it was close to finishing. Uh, Cloak and Dagger, Crisis on Infinite Earths, Machine Man by Herb Trimpey, Barry Windsor Smith, and Tom wow. DeFalco, or Night Music by P. Craig Russell. That's interesting. Oh, I mean, man. I would like. I would think historically we would look back and think Crisis. I'm shocked Machine Man was nominated. I mean, I love that series, but I'm just I didn't realize it was so critically acclaimed. Um, I'll say Crisis. Vince, I don't know. Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yes, yeah. I'm killing it. You are killing it. Best new series: Dalgoda, Grimjack, Mister X, Power Pack, or Zot. Well, Grimjack should win it. <laughs> For real. I believe it was Zot that got Best New Series. This is correct. Off. Yeah. This is on the board. Whatever. Sucky. <laughs> this is fun. Best graphic album. Beowulf, published by First. Uh, Medusa Chain, Mutant World, Starstruck, or Swords of the Swashbucklers? Gotta say Starstruck. <laughs> now, I want to say Mutant World because that's my boy. Richard Corbin. 
It's I'm going to vote for Mutant World, even though I don't believe it won. It is not either. It is Beowulf. Oh, yeah. what? Yeah. That nah, was a mistake. Here's your best writer. Mike mm-hmm. Barron for Nexus. Okay. John Byrne for Fantastic Four. Okay. Howard Shaken for American Flag. Mm-hmm. Gilbert Hernandez for Love and Rockets. Or Alan Moore for Swamp Thing. Alan. Alan Moore. Correct. Uh, best artist. <laughs> Didn't take a leap. No, not really. It, pretty much if, if Swamp Thing's on here. First of three fucking issues alone for best favorite for single issue. Anyway. But they're good issues. So your best artist, Howard Shaken for American Flag. Jaime Hernandez for Love oh. and Rockets. Uh, for Nexus, Steve Rude. For New Mutants, Bill Sinkevich. Damn. Or Dave Stevens for Rocketeer. Dude, that is a fucking... Dave Stevens. Dude, hold on. Before you tell... That is a crazy group of artists. That is. That's... that's, yeah, that's, that's shit. Just that's think of all that art. stuff coming out of the I know. Love I'm going to say uh, Rude. Dave Stevens. It is Dave Stevens. Uh, whatever. <laughs> I believe I have taken the lead. You no, you have Sure I have. I got the Alan Moreland, right? <laughs> Here's your best art team. Steve Bissett and John Totalbin for Swamp Thing. Yeah, John is. Byrne and Jerry Ordway for Fantastic Forty. They did like three issues together. <laughs> Van Day and Ordway's like, I work with Byrne. <laughs> Ordway's like, I wrote comics. <laughs> Stop. Oh, shit. See, that's, that is, you that's gotta funny. get all nasty. Uh, Dan Day and Nesta Redondo for Aztec Ace. Oh, I love Aztec Ace. Steve Brew and <laughs> Eric Shannon were for Nexus. And Dave Sim and Gerhard for Sarah's. Oh, that's who won. Yeah, Sim and Gerhard. Nope, Bissett and Totalbin. Oh, uh, whatever. Really? Well, it stands to reason. It's Bissett, by the way. The best cover, you have two options. <laughs> Wait, it's two options? For best cover. There's two. Two. Because there were only two comics per episode. <laughs> yeah, one, no, one Chromium. <laughs> and the rest of was regular. Mr. X or Swamp Thing number 34. Oh, I mean, come on, Swamp Thing. <laughs> You're not going to give it a Dean Motter? You kidding me? <laughs> Dean's still doing his thing. Uh, best comic publication. That's it. That's all. Uh, best comic publication: Amazing Heroes, Comics Buyer's Guide, Comics Interview, Woot! Comics Journal, and Escape Magazine. I'll say uh, Amazing Heroes. Mm. Comics Buyer's Guide. This is correct. This is bullshit. Okay. <laughs> so that was 1985. I do have the oh. Dude, now let's get real. In its heyday, Comics Buyer's Guide was fantastic. It was. It was. It was, it was the absolute best. I, I, they published well, you 10 got, years. You got 86? I got 86. All right, let's do it. Mrs. Best Buff. single issue. Daredevil number 227 by Frank Miller and Dave Mazzucchelli. Mage number 8 by Matt Wagner. Miracle Man number 1 by Alan Moore and Alan Davis. Ooh. Superman Annual number nine by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. God damn. Swamp Thing number 43 by Alan Moore and Stan Walsh. God damn. So Alan Moore had three of the top five issues. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, that motherfucker was on the roll. Um, man, you know what? You know, it's hard. I don't, I don't know because I was too young if Miracle Man, like at, at the start was this like. No, it took like five issues. Yeah. So I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm going to eliminate that. What was the first, first, Choice. Daredevil number 227. <sighs> That's Miller Mazzucchelli on that. Yeah, I'm, go I'm going to say, yeah, me too, because the Miller love was in full, full force. Mine, man. It's hard for me to... I'm, dude, I'm just saying, no, it's the logical choice. You are both correct. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I gave him the answer. Piggybacks off, <laughs> or whatever. 
Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, best continuing series, Daredevil, by Frank Miller and David Kelly. Okay, I'll go first. Love and Rockets, by Jaime and Gilbert Hernandez. Miracle Man, by Alan Moore and various artists. Nexus, by Mike Barron and Steve Rude. Or Swamp Thing, by Alan Moore, Steve Bissett, and John Tuttleman. Mm. Now, this is 86? Yes. For work Dare- done in 85. Daredevil. I'm going to say uh, Nexus. Neither one. Swamp Thing by Alan. Ah, see, again. it's like the obvious choice for all these, but it's just boring to pick it every time. It's like, it's it's the... Have you ever read that, Jason? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I hadn't read it until we started the show, and then you... Yeah, I read it like... uh They did those re- hardcovers... Um, yeah. Yeah. Of what was probably like five, six years ago now, right? Spot Varnish. Yeah. The, the men- menstruating werewolves was like, this guy is the most brilliant person on the face of the planet. Well, not that we haven't gushed about... Alan Moore enough over the years, but, uh, I think that, 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 le- like, late issue of Miracle Man with the, you know, I don't want to spoil it. Like, it's ridiculous to say spoil something that's 30 years old, but, you know, like, with, with the shit that goes down, you know what I'm saying? Like the. You're talking about Kid Miracle yeah, Man? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's fucking, I still think that's like, top 10 all time bananas, like. Oh, oh sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it, it's not something that, is just from that time or that era. It's just the whole situation. Yeah, even just, now, if that happens, people yeah. be like, damn. No, you look at that entire Eclipse run of Miracle Man. They took a lot of risks. Sure. Especially, you know, there was that issue. Then there was the birth issue. Yeah. In, in explicit detail with, you know, what happens when people are born. Yeah. Like, wow. That's awesome. Truth. Push that envelope. I'll go ahead, Dad. Best black and white comics. You have Cerebus. I'm just saying, it's what it says. Uh, Cerebus Journey, Love and Rockets, or Stig's Inferno. I like Stig's Inferno too. Ty Templeton, right? Yes, it is. Uh, I'm gonna say Cerebus. Yeah, I'm gonna go with, um, so we're talking 86. That was, I'm, I'm leaning towards Cerebus. Oh, so you're both seeing Cerebus. And you're both wrong. Love and Rockets by Jaime Hernandez and Gilbert Hernandez. Uh, best finite series. Black Dragon by Chris Claremont and John Bolton. Never read it. John. Uh, Christ Davis is on Infinite I hurt. Uh, Long Shot by Anna Cynthia and Art Adams. Yeah, boom. Uh, Pilius and Melis Hyundai by P. Craig Russell. I mean, I want Long Shot to be the winner. I'm going to go with Crisis. Mm, no, it is long shot. Oh, Jason got it. Yeah, what's up, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> best takes a per- perverse kind of glee, right? In me being wrong. Uh, best new series: Amazing Man, Miracle Man, Mister Monster, Oof. or Scout. Definitely Amazing Man. I'm gonna say Miracle Man. You're saying Amazing Man by Bob Rosakis and Stephen DeStefano? I am. I wouldn't. It's Miracle Man by Alan Moore. Damn. Yeah. Come on. In back then, Amazing Man got a lot of play. Damn. I hope you're choking on my dust, son. No issues. I'm glad you said dust and not something else. I'm a D. Uh, best graphic album: Hard Times by Howard Shaken. Love and Rockets book one. Cheat. The original Nexus. Ooh. The Rocketeer graphic album by Dave Stevens. I'm gonna go Dave with that. Stevens. Dave Stevens. You both are correct. Yeah. Of course we are. Um, best writer. 
Gilbert Hernandez for Love and Rockets, Frank Miller for Daredevil, Alan Moore for Miracle Man, Alan Moore for Swamp Thing, Matt Wagner for Maze. Oh, wait, you can't just say Alan Moore? No. They actually have it for why. I go with Swamp. The the Eisners do it too because it's... I'm going to say Miracle Man. Oh, for Vince. (laughs) Whatever. I gave you that. Look at that duster on your head. (laughs) I'm like, cool. Best writer, artist, single, or team, Mike Barron and Steve Rude. Frank Miller and David Mazzucchelli, Alan Moore and Steve Bissett, Matt Wagner. Oh, damn. I mean, they're all fucking legends. <laughs> <sighs> Hurts my heart. Um, Moore and Bissett. Miller. It's for the kids again. Oh, it's fucking bullshit. <laughs> it's rigged. Best artist. Here you go, Bo. Alan Davis for Batman and the Outsiders. Yes. Jaime Hernandez for Love and Rockets. Steve Rude for Nexus or P. Craig Russell for that other book? Steve Rude. Uh, I'm going to say... Who was choice number two? Jaime Hernandez. Yeah, I'm saying. Steve Rude. Vince gets it. Fuck, it's tied <gasps> up. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. For the, all right. For the What's the prize before we continue? Is there a prize? I was no, told the, there would the, be the, the loser gets teabagged. Oh, well, I'm not going to lose. Glad <laughs> Here we go for the last one, because we've got 1987 if you want to do it. But last one for 1986. I'll go first. I'm a gentleman. Best art team. Steve Bissett and John Totalbin for Swamp Thing. John Byrne and Jerry Ordway for Fantastic Four. <laughs> Again. And George Perez and Jerry Ordway for Crisis on Infinite Earths. Ooh. Damn. Dave Sim and Gerhard for service, Damn. and Matt Wagner and Sam Keith for Mage. Holy shit. This is it. <laughs> make, make it or break it. I'm going to go with, um, what was the first one? Beset and Totalbin? Yeah. Well, there hasn't been a preponderance of Swamp Thing love in this. And Rude is not on there. He's not. So I'm going to say, um, damn, this is hard. I'm going to go out on a limb and say George Perez. Oh, that's what I was going to say, so I'm not going to say that now because we have to settle it. Oh, <laughs> shit, that's what I was going to pick. <laughs> um, all right, so it's Wagner. Yep. It's yeah, he ain't winning it's, this. It's Perez. It's Sim, Burn, Bissett. Oh, fuck. I do think it is Perez, and I'm handing Vince the victory, but I'm going to say uh, Sim and Gerhardt. Yeah, it's Perez and Ordway. I knew it. <laughs> I give it to you because I love nah, you. Nah, I'm giving it to you because I love you, and you're, it's, I've always been told to uh, respect my elders. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, All right, let's do 87 and Jason Google first. All right. This is uh, hot, dude. That is great. Right? Uh, in 1980s, you, know, you, you, pre- you preceded this. You said you were going to do something tonight. And I was like, eh, what's going to be? But this is good. I know. Well, I put on my Jason hat. I'm like, all right, hey, let's do some guessing game. Let's just keep it in the pants, okay, while we're doing this, both of you, because you're like a little too giddy, kind of getting scared. You can just, text I each other. my laptop screen. cheek <laughs> sneak. Uh, so for 1980s, this is for work done in 1986. Your best single issue. Sadie's, oh right. It worked on 87, worked on in 86. Okay. 
Batman number 404 by Frank Miller and David Mazzucchelli. The best. Dark Knight number one by Frank Miller, Klaus Jansen. Oh, oh, damn. Say no more. Uh, Salome by P. Craig Russell. <laughs> Watchmen number one by <gasps> Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. Watchmen number two by Alan Wait, Moore. Wait, what? Yeah. Oh, so there is your best single issue. Oh I'll give God. you the answer. Uh, I'm going to say Watchmen number one. <laughs> no, it's Dark Knight number one. It is Dark Knight number one. Damn it. All right, Vince is up one. I'm going a, I'm to a keep score on this. Yeah, I am too. Uh, best continuing series. Oh. Serapis by Dave Simmonghard. Johnny Quest by William Esner Lobes and various <laughs> artists. And now comics is like, yeah! It's not in there. <laughs> no, it's Kamiko. Oh, was it Kamiko? Yeah, I thought it was Johnny oh. Quest. Oh, that's right. Uh, Sorry. Grendel by Matt Wagner, various artists. Mm. Is your Panda Brothers love, Vince? Love and Rockets by Jaime Hernandez and Gilbert Hernandez. Next is by Mike Barron and Steve Rude. And returning again, Swamp Thing by Alan Moore, Steve Bissett, and John Totalbin. You said best continuing series? Yes. Go ahead, Jason. I'm sorry. Can, can you one more? Just tell me the titles real quick again. Cerebus, Johnny Quest, Grendel, Love and Rockets, Nexus, Swamp Thing. <sighs> Love and Rockets. Swamp Thing. Let's get it. God! Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, best black and white. Oh. Bean World by Larry Martyr. Ooh, my arm is tingling. Cerebus. Dark Horse Presents by various creators. Flaming Carrot by Bob Burden. Love and Rockets. And Silent Invasion. God damn, this is hard. Oh, Silent Invasion's great it too. Is. But it's not. I'm going to say Love and Rockets. I'm going with Cerebus for this one. Yeah, we shouldn't say Love and Rockets. Cerebus. God damn it, he's <laughs> routing me. This is bullshit. <laughs> you almost think like I had the book in front of me. Oh. <laughs> Are you I don't. No, no, I'm not. Right. I swear to God. I just want to plant a seed of doubt. Yeah, I wish I kept score during the first round. Um, that was best, best finite series completed in 1986. Dark Knight by Frank Miller and Klaus Jansen. Flesh and Bones by Jan Strenad and Dennis Fujitaki. Uh, Mage by Matt Wagner. Oh, Man of Steel by John Byrne and Dick Giordano. Moonshadow by J.M. DeMatteis and John J. Moof. And Spiral Path published by Eclipse. Okay. That's some powerful stuff. I know what I'm going to say, but I'll acquiesce to Jason. Uh... One more time. Dark. <laughs> uh, no, dark. I'm gonna say dark night. Yeah, I have to say the same thing. You are both correct. Yeah. So what do I do? Give him one in the in the win column or nothing? Because it was the tie. It's a wash, dude. Yeah, it's a wash. So I, I'm three, and you yeah, so like none. So you're up three still. Yeah. <laughs> it's Christmas. Here we go. Best new series. Oh. <laughs> Would you know if like these were awards from like 1992? Jason having in the back. Oh yeah, Deadpool. Oh <laughs> uh, what, dude? Really? Wow. I mean, really? I'm kidding. Damn, dude. Wow, you take so seriously. Oh, it's numbers and figures and facts, bro. Guy turns 50. Yeah, he's the only one that's got history. Oh shit. Oh my goodness. Best new series. This is weird. How are you gonna have a best new series and something that actually? All right, Dark Knight, 
Grendel, Johnny Quest, The Nom, Ooh. Watchmen. Mm. I'm going to say Watchmen. I'm going to say Dark Knight. Oh, my God. Jason gets it. That's right. Yay. What up, bitch? Yeah, what up, the lonely tick in your column? Two, I, I'm two, I'm two for, I'm two in a row. I, no, you don't get one on the last no, one. Know, watch. You're up two now. Yeah, okay. Don't call it a comeback. Been here for years. <laughs> Best graphic album. <laughs> oh, Daredevil, Love and War by Frank Miller and Bill Cavage. Yes. Dark Knight by Frank Miller and Klaus Jansen. Dracula. What? Wait, 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 time out. What? Seriously, what? I guess because they collected it. Oh, wow, that is some bullshit, but okay. Yeah, not, it doesn't have to be an OGN, I guess, just the GN. All right, whatevs. Uh, Dracula, published by Marvel. Grendel, Devil by the Deed. See, because that's, that's a compilation of just the backups from Mage. Right. And uh, Mouse. Mm. Oh, oh, damn. Mouse, then, sure. Yeah, I got to go with Mouse. Oh, my God, you're both wrong. What? What is it, Dark Knight? It is Dark Knight. That's wrong. Wow, that's dude, wrong. I was, Mouse is like seriously. We should go kill some works, like written works of all time. Period. Yeah, who's the biggest Frank Miller mark among I us? Know. And I'm even saying I know. that. I know, boo. Best writer: Mike Barron for Nexus, Frank Miller Mouse. for Daredevil, or Frank Miller for Dark Knight. Frank Miller for Dark Knight. Me too. Alan Moore for Watchmen. Or oh, you didn't Alan, tell us. Okay, wait, wait. No, it don't matter. Or Alan Moore for Swamp Thing. No, uh, Frank, yeah, Miller. Yeah, Dark Knight. Frank Miller for Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's Alan Moore for Watchmen. What? The? Ah. This is fucking bullshit, man. Like, <laughs> fuck 1986, dude. <laughs> it was a shit year. Literally, <laughs> twenty five years later, we remember it different. Thirty years later. Best writer, artist, single or team: Mike Barron and Steve Rude. Frank Miller for Dark Knight. Frank Miller and David Mazzucchelli for Daredevil. Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons for Watchmen, or Matt Wagner for Mage. This More is an impossible. Okay. You know what? I'm gonna I, no no disrespect intended. I'm shaving more our um, Matt Wagner off because Dude, no. When you're, I, gonna, I, I yeah, trust me. I'm more in Gibbons. Uh, cool. No, I don't think so. I'm gonna give it to M- Miller and Mazzucchelli. Yeah, no, you should have thought so, Vince. Oh, what's up? It's more in Gibbons. I'm on your ass, son. Uh, on your what ass. the hell's on? Best artiste. Dave Gibbons for Watchmen, Frank Miller for Dark Knight, George Perez for Wonder Woman. <laughs> He's coming in. It's like who let the door? Who get the door open? Uh, Steve Rude for Nexus, or Bill Sienkiewicz for Electra Assassin. God, damn. Oh, def- definitely uh, Sienkiewicz. Definitely, definitely Wap. Wait, wait, wait. You say Sienkiewicz? I say Sienkiewicz. All right, I'm gonna say. Uh... I'm gonna say, uh, I'm gonna say Dave Gibbons. You should say some cabbage. Fuck! <laughs> I How you like me now? I'm so displeased right now. Oh, uh, best art team. I'm, I have 50% more wins than you do right now. You're up two, dog. <laughs> I know. You have, I have four. You have two. Go ahead. Uh, best art team. Steve Bissett and John Totalbin. Frank Miller, Klaus Jansen, and Lynn Varley. Steve Rude and John Nyberg for Nexus. <laughs> wow, he's laughing. <laughs> he's like, and John Nyberg. John, John Nyberg, can I come to the party with you? <laughs> well, it's like Ordway tagging on with like, Perez and, and, and Byrne. Uh, Dave Sim and Gerhard and Matt Wagner. Props to Matt Wagner. <laughs> I think- in his own for, you know. 
But if, if the heavy. graphics is like, oh, we love Vampire. We love Wet Magner. I'm going. I think Lynn Varley tips the scales. I'm going with with the Miller Mazzucchelli Varley team. You mean Miller Jansen and Varley? That's what I said. Okay. <laughs> uh, sorry, can you do it one more time? Sure. Oh my goodness, it's like he's fifty. <laughs> nah, you know what, dude? It's uh, it's because it, I feel like like every category is with the same people, so I'm having. Okay, go ahead, one more time. It is Steve Bissett and John Totalbin, Miller Jansen and Varley, Rude and Nyberg, Sim and Gerhard, Gerhard, hard, and Matt Wagner. I gotta go with Vince. I agree. It is Miller Jansen and Varley. Yes. And your final. There oh are, shit! I can't even fucking win. Well, no, because it's no. This is uh, for all the Marvel. This is, no, this it isn't. You're up too, dude. Ah, come on. This is the Hall of Fame. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine people nominated. Only three made it into the Hall of Fame. Okay, so here's how we'll do it. You read the nine. Since I'm down, well, Vince gets to choose. Do you want to go? For, for, it'd be better to go first, right? Because you get the first dibs. No, you go first. No, no. Here's here's. I th- you should go first because here's what we'll do it. There's nine. You get to pick whoever you pick. I then can't pick. They're off the table. Can I pick my three at once? No, no, no. You, we go back and forth, but uh, but if, okay. if we pick one, then the other person can't pick it. Okay, right. that's fair. Okay, Hall of Fame is Neil Adams, <laughs> Carl Barks. Are you laughing? Wait, hold on a second. Damn, damn. <laughs> Wait, Neil, who's next? Carl Barks. <laughs> okay. Steve Ditko. <laughs> Will Eisner. Oh, oh my goodness. Wait, it gets better. It gets better. Jack Kirby. Oh my nice. god. Nice. Harvey Kurtzman. Oh. Jerry Siegel. Wow. Alex Toth. He's out. Wally Wood. Alright. You know what? I'm gonna go really far out on the limb for this first one, and I'm gonna select Jack Kirby. Okay. Don't tell us about that. Nope. Uh, well, I gotta go with, uh, I gotta go with Will Eisner since these became the Eisner Awards. Right. Um, Wally Wood. Uh, damn. I'm gonna go with Ditko. Harvey Kurtzman. Damn, that's what I was gonna pick. Uh, fuck, I think we just won. Um, Shit. I'll go with Toth. Well. Tell us the three, one at a time. You both picked one. Okay. Wait, well, we only got one? Yeah. Just go ahead. Tell us the three. The three are Jack Kirby, mm-hmm. Will Eisner, mm-hmm. Carl Barks. So Damn, Vince. no Harvey Kurtzman? No Kurtzman. No Wood. Good job, Vince. Good job, Jason. No Dicka. I sucked it. <laughs> Live it now. Live it. Yeah, it's gonna be salty. I gotta study up. All right. You know what? David brought something different. I got something different. No, th- that was awesome. It was. Kudos to, to, to Dave. Aww. Big, big time, big Careers. hug for that. All right. Um, I frequent my comic shop. Yes. Dot com. They're, they're they're a lot of fun, but I don't. Um, I don't do. Um, impulse buys. Right. What I'll do is I populate my want list with a bunch of varied stuff. You get them alerts. And I, when I get the alert, I, ju- I jump on All right, it. Yep. Right. 
So I have a lot of cracked collector's editions uh, yeah. on my want list. And I just so happened to get an alert mm-hmm. last week for two of okay. them came came available. And I ordered them like a, a, a good Balls. comic book fan. I would like to say, oops, we um, as comic book fans, when when we um, click with an artist, I think over a period of time, the thing that makes that artist really special, and it's no fault of the artist, it diminishes just because of the amount of exposure. Like, case in point, Tom Grummet. Oh, okay. We need, we need a Tom Grummet today. Yeah. In, in, in mainstream comics, and we don't have it. But there was a time when Tom Grummet was omnipresent. The guy was everywhere. You couldn't pick up a DC comic without seeing Tom Grummet. It felt that way anyway. Um, and he, he, he is one of the most accomplished illustrators, not only of his time, but, but I think of all time. I love Tom Grummet's stuff. And when he went away, his, his presence was sorely missed. Um, and, and, I'm, I'm guilty of it. Like there was a time when I would pick up a, a Superboy or Superman and Tom Grummet would be in it. And I'm just like, oh, Grummet. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, that's my fault. I shouldn't have done that because that magic was still there. It's just that because he was always available, always visible. Sure. I, I, it was a bit of a fatigue mm-hmm. on my part, but, but there are some artists. And there are very few whose work I can look at no matter when, no matter how much, um, the, the frequency, the amount doesn't matter. I always, always find something brilliant, something beautiful, something about, uh, something to, over which to, to just escape, revel mm-hmm. over. Just it, it, there, there are there are artists that create unique worlds unto themselves, and they are places that I will always go. You don't have to drag me there. I will willing, willingly, willingly enter these 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 arenas. Mm-hmm. And one artist, and it was kicked off by by these cracked magazines. Mm-hmm. There, there's one artist that I think ranks. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to make a scale or a list but i i am always always impressed by this man's work he always makes me happy he always elicits a feeling of awe in me i don't think he gets nearly enough credit and you know what i'm going to say i'm sure you do judging by the magazine in which this appeared um i i definitely think he was among the absolute very best illustrators, designers, comic book artists of his time and for all time. And the guy I'm talking about is John Severin. Mm-hmm. Severin was a consummate master absolutely. of the craft. Of the, the, there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that Severin could rank with Kirby in some respects. The guy was an unbelievable Imagination, an unbel- as a caricaturist, he was phenomenal. Th- this is a cracked collector's edition, July 1980, 
those cracked monsters. That those are the ones I always order. Whenever they do the monster specials, yeah. I get them. Severin many, did the, like just by what because you know I'm interested. Uh, how many? Like how how much of crack do you would you say roughly you own? Oh jeez, there's a period that I stopped. Well, I mean because nice. it was it was just nasty. But I have at least at least three hundred issues of cracked. And I don't honestly know how, how to, like how many is how many were there. Uh, David could check while while I'm I'm blabbering. I don't even I don't, I don't know for for sure. I just go in the in the the uh, the database and I click off the issues I have. You know, that's that's how I do it. Um, but February see, 2007 crap. was the final issue. Um, so it keep talking. Okay. Now, what what Cracked was guilty of, and 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 Mad was guilty of the same thing. They would cull thematically. They would they would group thematic works mm-hmm. and publish a special issue, sure. right? Like the Super Size Mad, and the you know Cracked had the Collector's Edition, which was nothing more than a magazine full of reprints. It was an easy buck. You know, they 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 just reaped the rewards of of this this stuff they had in the vaults and and it, while it it you know longtime readers were like oh this thing again but the newer readers were this was all all they were grooving on it because it was all new stuff um, and and cracked liberally stole from other magazines yep. you know like they would they would well, take the enough. Well, that was that was a problem with all of the humor magazines. Sure. They all had mascots, right? But a- a- after Mad, they thought they they were very single minded, right? I mean, who's to say that Sylvester is any better or worse than than Alfred E. Newman, right? right? Sylvester had more of a personality than Alfred E. Newman because Alfred would not really appear as you know. Sylvester was actually in some stories. There were stories, you know, written and drawn about Sylvester, whereas Alfred was just like the poster boy. He was the mad, you know, what me worry guy. But um, there is an illustration in here that uh, Severin did, and it is, uh, I mean, the, the humors. There's there's a lot of unfunny stuff in here, but I don't buy cracked for the humor. That's for damn sure. I buy it for the illustration. And um, there's a bunch of monsters wearing sandwich boards. Remember what sand- sure. sandwich boards? Yeah, it was nice. it was it was yeah advertising that they would pay someone to wear these two gigantic pieces of plywood over their shoulders and just walk the streets. And they were they were they were ambulatory advertising. Right, so this is a bunch of monsters with sandwich boards on, and uh, Severin draws the mummy, the Invisible Man, the creature from the Black Lagoon, Phantom of the Opera. He draws a werewolf, and it's obviously Lon Chaney Jr. But as a collector of monster magazines and memorabilia, it is not a studio shot or a stock photo of Lon Chaney Jr. This was done by Severin. I'm sure he had reference or a bunch of pieces of reference, but it's a unique pose, and it's obviously Lon Chaney Jr. The, the man could capture a likeness, like nobody's business. you know, there was, yeah, like nobody's business. There was not a lot of people who can do this. Um, Elsa Lanchester as the bride, but the the showstopper is his Lagozi. His Lagozi's in profile. And he has, he's got the cape on and the sandwich board and it says men, men, 
make spare time pay off. We pay highest prices for a pint of your blood. And he type, Boris's blood bank. Like, uh, you know, the, the, yeah, that's cute. But the joy in this thing is the pose of Bela Lugosi. It's a profile. He nailed it. But the arm is straight out and the wrist is crooked at a 90-degree angle, and then the fingers are perpendicular to the wrist. It's beautiful, and I don't know, you know, I can only guess, I can only wonder, at the time it took him to draw this, did he get it in one shot? Did he labor over the the the, the minutiae of the body language? Who knows? Who cares, right? The, the point is, he got it. He nailed it. Whether it took him an hour, 10 minutes, or a day, you know what I mean? It's there on paper, and it's that's the thing with Severin. Severin would go into, there, there are areas of a Severin drawing that are minutely detailed. And then there are areas where he just kind of pulled back, like in the facial area. And he gets Bella Lugosi in not a whole lot of lines. I mean, it, this is a pro. This is a master putting it down. And I, 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 I just, I, I would love to be able to express the joy that I get when I look at a Severn drawing, but I, I don't really have the adi- the words to adequately convey just how happy this guy makes me every time I look at his line work. Every single time. The, how is that possible? He was he was honest to God. What I look forward to in every issue of Cracked. There was, didn't matter what well, he was, it was the only good well, thing. Well, yeah, but, and, 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 you know, eventually Don Martin came over for whatever, I, there was a tiff or falling out with Matt, but yeah. I, yeah. Renee has a ton of cracked and eh, not pre-advertised Mad Magazine, but maybe early 90s Mad Magazines, but she's got a bunch of of late 80s, early 90s, cracked, um, which when we pulled them out from, from our mom's place, I was surprised we had so many and, and they're still nearby. I didn't know Renee just, wrote like that. Oh yeah. No, she, she bought, I, I didn't realize she bought cracked as, as often as she did. I figured, you know, if there was a funny cover or something, but I mean, she maybe the hottest thing I've heard all night. <laughs> and she, um, but I, there were times where, yeah, especially in the later years, I found crack to be, to be funnier. Just, it, it, not ha ha, just it, the humor skewed more to my liking. I didn't, I, I didn't, sometimes Mad may have tried a little too hard or, or just mm-hmm. depending on what, what the angle was and, and what topic they were trying to, to skew. But it's, um, no, I, I think, I don't think it, it's cracked. The final issue of Cracked was in 2004, issue 365. After that, um, the uh, it was relaunched by Cracked Entertainment, and in 2006 they only did three bi-monthly issues, and now it's lived on as as a as a website. A, a website, yeah, uh, yeah. Which which has its moments. There's some things where you know there are times where I'll read it, you know, when they're going through the list, and and um, I'll chuckle at some of their topics but the old whether it was you know and there are some some strips some 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 parodies that i just they didn't they didn't have the the usual um 
They didn't have the same. They didn't have like the Dave Berg lighter side of. They didn't have a few of Ugh. the. They didn't have the. They didn't have continuous or 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 articles or columns that were that would carry over from one month to the next. But uh, whether it was they're making fun of the A team or lethal weapon movies or it just I there were I enjoyed the hell out of Pract. and it, it's it's unfortunate that when you think of the humor magazines that it. I don't think they get their due. I, I don't think they I'm don't. Like, no, I mean, Ab, in in terms of of the illustrators, the artists that worked on them, no, they don't. They definitely okay. don't get their due. But you, let's admit, I'll go on the record. I don't believe I've ever read a movie parody in Mad or Cracked or Sick or Crazy that was actually funny. The, it, the, all of the jokes seemed very forced. The, it was the, the, the illustrated gags what I was looking for. Right, right. The, 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 uh, the gags were all manipulated based on the plots of the movie. And it's like, they, they just weren't funny. It, it, but the, the things that were funny were the one-offs, like David said. Um, and, and just the, the incidental humor. I, for, for a lot of years, Sergio was the funniest thing in Mad. Because, you know. Oh, with the margins? And, yeah, yeah, if you could do a little gag in one pan, in one, not even a, like a quarter of a panel, and that would, you know, it, you'd get a chuckle out of it anyway. But there's a double page spread in here called Monster Party, and it's, it's a, a monster's backyard, someone's backyard, and Severin litters this thing with Alfred Hitchcock, Bella Lugosi, vampires in here. There's a Morlock. From the Time Machine, um, Basil Rathbone, Peter Lorre, Vincent Price. There's a mole person from the Mole People movie. Uh, Death is talking to Elsa Lanchester. There's a Frankenstein monster. Zachary's in here. Like you, you're talking some pretty not, not super obscure, but like the original Golems in here. Uh, Renfield, uh, Colin Clive from the original Dracula is in here. Um, the creature from the Black Lagoon is talking to Catwoman by the pool, and every single one of the 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 the, uh, the caricatures is money, absolute money. It's he he doesn't falter; he gets it every single time. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, as an illustrator myself, that is it's inconceivable, really, because like even the best illustrators will slip up now and then deadline problems or fatigue or just, you know, not feeling the subject matter. He Severin is is superhuman. He gets it every single time. It's awesome. And uh, you know, I, I have a soft like David, I have a soft spot for the, the humor magazines, especially Mad. Yeah. So so much so that I'm building my thesis around it. I know. And the thing is, um and and I got this this uh, phrase from uh, one of my friends, uh, John Cash, uh, caricatures. He's amazing. Um, he calls it sanctioned subver- submersiveness. Subversiveness. Subversiveness. Yes, yeah, sanctioned subversiveness. I was tongue tied again. What Harvey Kurtzman did, right? And it's something we're all guilty of. When you're a kid, the easiest way to piss off your sister or your friend or even your parents if you're that daring is to say i'm lucy i'm stupid like that is is it's lowbrow it's immediate it it gets a reaction Mm -hmm. harvey kurtzman that's parody 
Harvey Kurtzman made parody bankable. He made a career out of, right. I'm, I'm, that's, that was what he did. He was smart enough to know that parody is, is an, it's almost like an animal instinct. Yeah. We all do it. You know, you bring up and a good it, point because, uh, our boy Scotty, artist mm-hmm. extraordinaire, uh, really credits his love of Mad Magazine for getting him into the, into the comics and the industry. And, uh, you know, while I often credit the Ohatmu as the reason that I became a comic collector, um, you know, for real, I mean, it was Mad Magazine, which really was my foray as well. My uncle Michael, uh, was a huge Mad Magazine collector and he was only eight years older than me. He was my mother's youngest brother. And so I was sort of idolized him, you know, like I was wanted to be like him. And, uh, he would get Mad Magazine art, the, which was the, the high school, which was eventually my high school, but obviously this was eight years before then. Um, the library had like a, uh, ended up getting a subscription to Mad Magazine and, um, somehow or another, I guess they regretted it or deemed it inappropriate. So mm. I guess because my uncle was like a good student and whatever, maybe where I don't remember the, the, the details of how, but it ended up being a thing where every time the school would get the Mad Magazine, they would let him have it instead of like it going on the shelves. So then every time I would go over to my grandmother's, I would read that Mad Magazine. And yeah, like you said, Vince, like that was like, as a kid, that was like the most magical thing ever. Like, uh, it was insane. Right. It's, like, it's, it was like, uh, it was like the coolest part of my week. Yeah. You know? Be, I, I think we're born with the propensity for parody. We mm-hmm. like to make fun of things. Mm-hmm. You see it on Facebook every that's, single that's why I talk day. To you every week. Right. It's true. But, um, Kurtzman was a genius because he sold that. He, he made that a bankable commodity. Mm-hmm. Make, making fun of other people other things other institutions other pieces of art that's what was the the genius of kurtzman sanctioned subversiveness hmm. and it's it's brilliant so, and that's what i that's what i do in 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 my art i just i make fun of shit and and it goes all the way back to to mad magazine you didn't know it back then he was saying okay i'm giving you a license to make fun of people it's okay to make fun of people. Look at we're doing it. It's funny, right? Because because one, he's taking things which need no introduction. If you do a parody of say you know Jackie Gleason and the Honeymooners and call it something similar but stupid, mm-hmm. you're poking fun of something where the recognition is instant. You don't have to explain for people back then who Superman is or who Batman is, but. So that, you know, you already have your foot in the door. Now we're going to sweeten the pot by making fun of these people and these things. It's, it, the, it's just pure freaking genius. Right. Who, what, what kid is not going to start grooving on that? Mm-hmm. There's, I don't think I'm, you know, I, I was, um, I, I wasn't vaccinated against that as a kid. It, it bit me and it got me hard. And <laughs> just all my friends too, you know, so that, I mean, and you never, I never forgot it. It's something I've carried with me for for decades. Yeah, just making fun of. Dude, I'm stupid. Yeah, it's it's so easy. Mm. And but anyway, I'm getting I'm deviating from the point. John Severin, um, the the guy just lights up my world all the time. Yeah. All right. I, there should I have a? Uh, you should call them the Severin Awards instead of. Well, I like Will Eisner too, say, yeah. so I can't say that. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'm, I'm. Let's. We'll do a little another avant garde thing. A little little different thing. Um, as I hinted on our Facebook and Twitter this week, I procured Ooh, a Grail that. issue. Yeah, you did. And my man Dap 
had the audacity to ask me how many of them I owned. And I was like, my dude, really? it's You're the fucking not... first and only. Like, Can I guess? Don't well, you know? If... I No, I didn't see I didn't see the reveal. No. That's right. You I'm going to guess. Yeah, I'm going to guess. Okay. If, if it's one of your grails. And there aren't many. I have to be, I'm very fortunate. There aren't many things I consider grails at this point. Right. It has to be either Avengers or Uncanny X-Men. Well, you have to be more specific than that. I mean... No, I no no no. Are, gonna, and, gonna... and again, you're right. And as you know, uh, given my sort of where I am in my life as a collector, the only two series I fully want and intend to have complete runs of are those two series. Hmm. Now let me get the number here. Just because I don't know which one it is, you did get. Um, Fantastic Four, number fifty-two. Yes. Uh, yes, that was my uh, that was one of my fortieth birthday presents to myself. Okay, all right. So it's not that one. Great guess. I'm gonna I'm gonna say now. You know, again, not a big stretch. I knew you didn't have it, so I will say. Um. Uncanny 94. My man, I've had a pristine copy of Uncanny 94 for years. See? that? So Vince Vince and I are basically on the same page when it comes to, you know, grail issues. You've been in my comic room at my house every New York Comic Con and seen it on display. All right. It's got to be giant size uh, X-Men then. Yes. Okay. Which, by the way, is a much bigger grail issue than 94. But, Vince, did you think he already had Giant Size? No, I knew he didn't have it. I mean, 94 is like a key issue, but I mean, Giant Size is like, I mean, there are a few keyer issues than that. True. So yes, I finally bought a copy of Giant Size X-Men. That I thought he already had. And I'm elated. Respect. But that kind of boggles my mind. What do you mean? That book has been reprinted ad nauseum. Well, it's not about like, that, though. That's not, I, I know. That's why I said it's read that. countless times. Yeah, it's about the provenance. Yeah, it's about the yeah. I, I know exactly what it's you about. Know, it's but about the karma of having that book that actually gave birth to so many of those characters that I adore. True. It's the cover too. The cover is oh, it's wonderful. Cover, so. And you know, yeah, I have but, I have put off buying it year after year convincing myself that, ah, you know, and as I've learned 20 years into buying back issues, it's just ne- it like certain books never go down in value. Right. Um, now I'm, I'm assuming that it's CGC. Yes. And I'm, I'm going to guess it's a uh, 8.7. You're cute. There's no such thing as an 8.7, <laughs> but All right. 9.2. Cause I mean like they don't do odd numbers, but, uh, All right. 9.2. 9.4. Oh, dude. Holy shit. I'm not going to ask you how much you paid for it. I negotiated. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait, let me count your kids. One, two. Oh, wait a minute. I negotiated, but yes. That sure. is crazy. Yeah. It's, it's one of, it's, it's, I mean, it truly is one of two. 
Like, you know, we all say, like, I, I mean, of course, I'd love to have Action Comics number one or, like, Detective 27. But, like, I'm never, like, those things are never going to happen. And I don't like those characters enough to ever make that happen. <laughs> no, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I of course, like I as, as a collector, we'd all like to have a copy of Action Comics number one. Like, in a Not me. I, I would just resell it. No, no, no. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is my, I'm getting a, I'm, the point I'm trying to make is that Giant Size number one is truly one of three comics I didn't own that I like absolutely dreamed of owning. Yeah. Can you name the other two? Oh boy. Um, Avengers four. Yes. Yeah. I don't know the other one. Dak, you want to take a guess? You have so much. Is it an Avengers or a Fantastic Four book? Neither. Oh, is it an X-Men book? Yeah. Hmm. Not X-Men number one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I mean, again, like, again, the first genesis of those characters. Right. But yeah. How... Hmm? How far along are you on complete runs of those series? Well, no, nowhere close. Like, uh, well, Avengers. Okay. I mean, no, I mean, uh, Avengers of the first fifty issues. I think I own like fifteen of them, but I don't own the earliest Avengers issue. I own a seven. Um, and X Men. I the old. I, I I should know this, but whatever that first issue, the first appearance of Mimic is, was it like sixteen? Nine? What is it? Nine sixteen? I don't remember. Whatever that for whatever the issue with Mimic on the cover. That's the oldest X Men issue I own. Hmm. So I mean, I have you know we're talking. These are to to ever fulfill that goal of having. I mean that you know there's some significant expense still to be had. Yeah. Right. Right. Also, I have very very like I I'm again I I realize I'm insane, but I I, like when I say that I don't as you guys know I don't I don't mean like reader copies I, I want like high-grade copies of every... Right, sure, sure, yeah. I'm not a Grail person. I can count maybe two, three books that I would absolutely love to own. Mm-hmm. That you don't own. The, right, I always wanted Savage Tales, number one. Don't own. Okay. Um, I don't know. It Now this is the part is where it's just one? like... Uh, no, I I have the reprint. I have the phone books. I don't. Yeah, but see, that's but well, yeah. I, I would amazing fifteen be yours, Dap? I mean, again, putting us. I, I like just just if you could have anything, not not cost being obviously amazing fifteen is pretty much hard for anybody to. That's that's a comic that's not going to be the re, a reality for almost anybody because yeah, that's. That would be. That. I mean, a like an eight point copy of that's thirty thousand dollars. So yeah, that's not happening. Yeah, it's, um, it's it's definitely a. It, it would be during the first few years of of the Spider Man run. It, it's not. I don't have. I don't have many. Um, I, I would never see myself. I, I don't think I'd ever get a complete. I, I don't think I'd ever get end up with a complete run of um, at least the first volume of Amazing Spider-Man. There's just yeah. I mean, I think that's hard. I think I think that like, and I know like, I think that and Fantastic Four are super hard. I mean, because again, oh yeah, if you want reader copies, I mean, reader copies of the early ASMs and the early 
Fantastic Fours are crazy. I think I would stab someone in the neck for a copy of Marvel Spotlight number two. That's the first werewolf by night. I have a copy of that. Are you kidding me? You know I collect first appearances. And I also would really, I think I would, I would do nasty things for number five too. What's number for Ghost Spotlight number five, Ghost Rider. Oh, I don't have that. Just because yeah, Plug, be cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Which, you know, Plug on both of them, but uh, you know, Jack Russell is my boy. He is. All right, so here's the game. Sorry, we got a little. That was the first part of it. Um, I uh, because I'm an addict. Uh, buying that comic kind of led me to spending money on some other comics this week. Because it was like, you know, once you hit the pipe. Why it's stop? Like, yeah, why yeah, stop? Sure. So I'm going to tell you the comics that I won at auction, and then I'm going to see if you guys can tell me their significance. No cheating. Okay? Okay. I'm going to just go in order of the of, of how I won them. Uh, X-Men number 96. That's the first issue with the new team. 94 is the first issue with the new team. The Giants has the 94. So is that, is that the death of Thunder, of, uh, Thunderbird? Something, <clears throat> um, something with a demon. I was gonna say, to, now, to be clear, I'm, I'm by, that was one of the few of the new X-Men run I didn't own. I, I didn't own that. For some reason, I don't own 107, I don't own 108. But, so, so I was gonna buy it either way, but there is a significance to this issue in particular. Is it Nightcrawler? Something to do with Nightcrawler. It's the first no? appearance of somebody. Not Belasco. No. There's, I remember a de- there's like a, a massive demon or something coming out of the ground. Yes, the, on that. the cover is a, is a giant, it's a one-eyed, one-horned green demon fighting the X-Men. I don't know. First appearance of Maura McTaggart. Okay. Oh, number, number, number 19 is, uh, Mimic Bro. There you go. Okay. So that's the oldest one. This should be easier. Strange Tales number one sixty nine. Is that's not Nick Fury? Um, no, that's Brother Voodoo. Yes, yeah. First appearance of Brother Voodoo. Very good. Uh, Strange Tales. This is gonna be hard, but keep in mind this is significant to me mm-hmm. as a collector. This is not a first. Appe- it's not a first appearance of a character. But this is a significant book to me. Okay, Strange Tales number one fifty. Hmm. A bet has Doctor Strange in it. Yes, it is a. It's still back in the, when. It's still during the run where Strange Tales was half Nick Fury and half Doctor Strange. Now, is the important to you the Strange part of the Fury part? Neither. Ah. Probably something stupid like, it's not, like Serpent Society or no, Hydra no, no, or something from, like it's that. It's from 1966, if that helps. <sighs> Crickets. Yeah. Well, what was the other half of it? It was, it's Doctor Strange, but there was another, who was the other part? So it was that, Nick Fury at that point. So. It is the first appearance of a character, although that is not why I bought it. 
a character or a is it could it could it be a machine like i'm thinking like say say helicarrier or something that's interesting but no no that is no. cute um it's not because of the is it a Steranko cover it's not because of the cover or anything uh the cover is bill everett and that had nothing to do with mm, buying it okay i don't know i don't i don't, I don't it know. is the first ever comic drawn at marvel by mr john Busema. nice Really? On the, on the Nick Fury part? Uh, yeah. Cool. That is. But cool. you know, Busan was my boy, my spirit guide. First ever. I, I bought, uh, last auction I bought his first ever Avengers comic. So, uh, this is his first ever Marvel comic, so. Okay, uh, Fantastic Four number 53. Hmm. Don't overthink this. What was Fantastic Four number 52? Uh, Black Panther. Yeah. So Wakanda. No, well, second. It, it, I just bought it because it's the second appearance ever of Black Panther. Okay. Uh, yeah. Not a great cover. No, you're right. You're right. But the significance of the book is I, I, okay. Uh, Doctor Strange number one. Well, gee, I don't know. <laughs> well, it's that's his first appearance, but. That's an investment, though. Just, yeah, it's the premier issue of of his of his own named book. Uh, and last, did you hear the oath is going up in value? Yeah, yeah. is it really? Yeah, a lot. Dude, because uh, this week on Comic Link, the first appearance of the of the Defenders, which has always been a super cheap book, because you know the Defenders are like a. I mean, there's nothing, but because of the Netflix shit, dude, mm-hmm. it, it's the the book's gone up tenfold in the last year. What's it going for? Well, this was a nine two, and it went for like nine hundred bucks. Jesus Christ! I got two of them. I would never sell oh, them. Just flip one of them. No, no, no. Uh, last one and uh, the least significant, and also the least expensive of the ones that I bought. Um, Avengers number fifty three. That's a Neil Adams issue, isn't it? Uh, no, it's it's my boy Busema, written by Roy Thomas. Who's that? Who's Roy Thomas? I'm kidding. Holy crap, a doodle. Uh, this one really is, is, this is, this nothing, this is not a particularly significant issue other than it's one of many times of the years where the Avengers versus the X-Men. I think Black Panther's in that too, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. And, an Angel. Something, Mm. No, there's something to do with Angel in this book. Duh. Mm-hmm. I remember. Um, yeah, I have a, another question. Okay. This is a riff on, on what we've been doing all episode. What is your favorite cover price? What cover price mm. elicits the, the fondest memories for you? Wow, that's, uh, hmm. that's an awesome question. <sighs> Man, um, wow. I'll go first because I I asked the question. And because I'm a little bit more seasoned than a lot of dudes, um, the 20%, the 20 cent cover price. Still? It's, that's my jam. Mm -hmm. 20, if it says 20 cents on it, I don't care what it is, I will buy it because it is smack dab bronze. 
that's when Marvel was blowing up the you know the magazines were a little bit after that but 20 the 20 cent issues oh my god i don't believe i've ever read a 20 cent issue and it, it stands to reason right that was my youth that was yeah. when i was first getting into marvel so every one of those books in hindsight were they all great no but they back then they were magic to me and i see 20 20 cents on the cover and it just makes me smile uh now, is there any difference between 20 and 25 cents? Probably not. Yeah. But that, that 20 cents is just my sweet spot. So, uh, for, I, I knew the era. I just had to look up what the price was in there because I wasn't, I guess back then I wasn't paying for my own comps. Um, yeah. dollar, uh, dollar fifty. Ooh. Wow. I was going to say 75 for you. No, but like we're talking late eighties because that's like, again, Alpha Flight, Simon Says Thor, Excalibur, Wolverine. Like that's, you know, that was like, three, four yeah, years into being a comics reader and that was at the point where I was going to the store every week with a pull list and buying shit ton of back issues with all my allowance and like just going nuts. But your Excalibur and your Wolverine were on the Baxter papers so they were going to be more than the newsstand books like Thor and Power Pack. Yeah, you know, I guess you're right because I'm looking now like you're right like Simon says Thor which is the same time as 75 cents. Right. So okay, so maybe 75 cents is the answer then. I think that was a major blunder on Marvel's part, making Micronauts. Oh, direct only? Yeah. Yeah. Big. No, you know what? You guys are right. It is 75, so I'm looking through all the publishing list of, yeah, so 75, I guess, yeah, 75 cents. Cool. What about you, Dad? Uh, 60 cents. Right around the, um, talking about the mid mid 80s uh secret wars christ on infinite earth so around 60 and for the minute they were 65 cents but yeah it was mm-hmm. um i mean i love i i i love those me having a complete set of hard traveling heroes I, I that's that's a grail that's that's something i would love to have and i had a couple of the issues once upon a time but mm-hmm. i like those prices but the to answer Vince's question, it would be it would be the sixty cent covers. Yeah, I got to make a confession. You guys have brought this book up so many times over the years, and I always get quiet because the only issue of I've ever read in the entire run was the very first issue. Paradise. No, Excalibur. Bat. No, I have that all <laughs> bound. Um, Batman and the Outsiders. Dude. Oh. I've only I've only read the first issue, really? and that when it came when me it, because I mean you were such a Batman fan, and back then I mean that was like sort of so why why didn't you read that series? I didn't like the supporting cast. Oh really? Yeah, I, it didn't click. Batman works alone or with Robin. Oh okay, that, oh, with that was it was like you know, with yeah with the Justice, <laughs> but that's different because he belongs all, in the Justice. All grown ups, right? No, it's just I read that first issue and I was like. Mm. No, mm-hmm. not not feeling it. Should I go back and reread that series or read the series? Does it have anything that's gonna that's gonna click with me? At this point, with your sort of anti Batman, anti DC bent, no, I don't think so. I'm, no, I'm not, not even that. It's it's there are there are some things that I think you'll dig, but. They're probably gonna be few and far between. There's there's the Teen Titans crossover issue, uh, mm-hmm. and there's the th- then after the team splits up 
from Batman. They go their separate ways. But overall, there's not, there, there, you know, when you try to figure out when, when you're on, you have, you have Katana's origin with, and, and then, you know, finding out what's going on with the Soul Taker sword. And then you have, um, now I see, I think Katana's cool, but the, the, who's the Halo. chick with, uh, yeah, Halo. Nah, There's, that, that, was, <laughs> almost, that like, was almost like a Donna Troy type thing because I think they wanted to do their her origin, but then they kind of did it again later on. Um, and like, isn't Geoforce in there somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. Which again is the connection to the Titans because when when uh, Terra was joining the group, she was making it sound as if she was a mutant, but she got her powers the same way her brother Brian did. Uh, right. Back home in Markovia. And I, I liked Geoforce's original suit when he changed it to the, 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 the green and yellow one with the GF on his chest. Uh, ridiculous, but I like yeah. the old brown and, and, and orangish Wolverine type looking thing. I, I dug his mask, that Manhunter looking mask, the Paul Kirk era. Um, the, uh, those are, that's another grail issue is, is the, the detective comics with the Manhunter backups by oh, yeah. Goodwin and oh, Amazon. Sure, but sure. the, um, like I'll take, um, Metamorpho all day long. Oh yeah, and, mm-hmm. and, and, Love and I, I I enjoyed it because of Black Lightning. Metamorpho I didn't know a lot about. I just remember him from the old Adventure Comics digests and the. Uh, but just like the Titans, where it was Batman and Black Lightning and Metamorpho with new guys, where just like you know Raven and Starfire and Cyborg were new guys on on the Titans. Um. But it's like, there, there was no, there was no heavy threat. I mean, they, they fought Maxi Zeus. They didn't, it's not like th- this wasn't, this was something, I guess, for Mike W. Barr to just have fun with and, and a power to draw since there was no more Brave and the Bold. And, uh, there were a couple of cute issues and, and when Alan Davis came on and they had to take on Cobra and, and there was some Kirby's Cobra. Yeah, the orange dude with wow. the, yeah. Um, the, the, the snake. Yep. But it yeah. was, uh, but for, I mean, it was, it, I think the book was mostly a diversion, just like, so you're not bogged down from whatever heavy stuff's going on in Batman and Detective. So it was like, um, the third or fourth Superman book for Batman. Like, it's just another reason to have Batman in a yes. book mm-hmm. a month. Yeah. You know, maybe I'll, I'll go and, and read it. it. There are, there are things that are interesting to right. me. And just because it's a huge gaping void and you guys talk about it all the time. And a part of art, man. I mean, come on. I like Jim. I know. I do. How could you not? I like this Gordon with the wavy hair. I think uh, 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 the character I immediately associate with Jim Apparel is Alfred. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. A thin, gaunt looking dude? Yeah. I think he he did, had a nice uh nice spin, nice take on Alfred. Oh. You say Jim Apparel, I think Alfred. I don't know why. All right, everybody. Hey, um if you enjoyed anything we talked about or if you would like to investigate the books we talked about, there's only one place to go. Well, two. DCBService.com or their sister company, InStockTrades.com. Because if you're late to the game, in-stock trades is the better place to go. But if you want to get on the bandwagon, DCBService.com, you're not going to get your comics cheaper anywhere else. And they'll deliver them right to your door. You don't have to do very much. If you can 
tap like a giant, like David, on your keyboard That's and make a lot of noise. funny. And make a lot of noise. You can order from DCBService.com. It's pretty effortless. You know, uh, do it. They, you will not regret it one bit. In your travels. I don't know. I, I don't really uh, think I no. have. Wow. Seriously, I could, I could cook one up here real quick while y'all are, um, oh, I got them in your travels. This is very, very, very specific. Um, as Batman and the Outsiders is a gaping hole for me, I would like you to investigate the work of an illustrator with which you are probably not familiar. But he is amazing. And I was reminded of that fact today at the comic shop when I found a copy of The House of Hammer number, I don't even know, um, actually number nine. Um, what they did was there was a period where this magazine was imported into the United States. This is not during that period. This is before they got the bright idea to, hey, there's a lot of people in the States that would probably like to read this. Um, there is an illustrated version of Quatermass, um, not in the pit, it's the Quatermass experiment. And the illustrator is Brian Lewis. Lou. If if you have never seen the artwork of Brian Lewis, I suggest you Google him because he was phenomenal. Um, if you're familiar with the Quartermass movies, you know there's some icky uh, body transformation stuff going on here. And the black and white artwork in this thing is just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at a page where um, multiple, like there's a lot of panels per page. And uh, Lewis just designs the hell out of the page. But this one, there's uh, Flora. Um, actually, it's it's Flora mixed with fauna because we are talking Quatermass. And there's oozing plant-like structures with eyes and body parts and geometric forms mixed in. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just phenomenal illustration. And he, he, another one, like Severin, he he get he gets the likeness. But some of them are very reminiscent of the studio photography mm-hmm. and the, the, you know, so you can't fault the guy. I mean, he had, to, he had to make it work, but, um, look into Brian Lewis and while you're at it, look into the house of hammer. This is a great little magazine, especially if you like horror movies, nice. like I, like I do. This one has squirm in it. Squirm. You never see squirm. I don't think so. Oh, Vince, did you, you gotta, uh, did you? Buy slash pre-order Kramer's Urgot number nine. Dude, I thought I ordered it. Mm. I thought I pre-ordered it through DCB service. Oh, you know what though? It was during the time when you were out, out of work. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't, and I saw the cover, and I'm like, oh man, I can't wait to get this. Wait a minute, did I order this? I looked on my unsent items. It's not oh, there. Because, you should email them because they, I mean, they may have copies. I only asked because I was, I mean, I, 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 uh, intentionally didn't talk about it this week because I figured you would be all up in it, but. I think the, con- the, the, the cover itself is phenomenal. I would love to tag team with you on it. Alright, let me get it. Right. Let me get it. And then. Go to Comics on the and get it. I'm like a plate. No. What? No, I'll get it, I'll get it from, from either our sponsor or, or the Amazon. Okay. Cause it's only like 20 some bucks. On Amazon. Mm-hmm. 
cover price was forty, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's a, there. We're talking about Grails, Kramer's Ergot, the big one, number seven. seven. Yeah. I did not order that. I I I I'm very um, remorseful that I didn't yep. because now you can't get it. Forget it. It's fucking hard. Shipping man. alone is going to be more than I want to spend. It is so. difficult. Yeah. Damn. Damn. Uh, in your travels, I read this this afternoon, so I thought I was going to talk about it, but then I read something else this evening. So in your travels, make sure you do pick up. Um, I'm sure Jason will talk about it. If not tonight, soon. Um, but Rocky Raccoon and Groot number four. Whew. That was crazy. And there are a couple of pages in there that. I would love to have. Um, but for the record, tracks. I was just speaking to Felix not 15 minutes ago about While that issue. We're recording. Oh, wait a minute. It's number four is Aaron Comey, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. The football issue. Yeah. I, I'd love to know what pages are available for that. Um, they're, they're all gonna, available. Yeah. David and I were well, talking about. I'm not going to front, but I did procure first look. Nice. Of course, no. I, I, that I was. Well, I'm saying you by proxy get first look because you're my boo. Oh, that's great. <laughs> um, Dave, David and I were talking about um, people that we are soon going to say we knew him when, yeah. like Tom King, <laughs> and um, I, I firmly believe that Aaron Conley's in that group. Oh, hell's to Yeezer. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. just gonna go go like cosmic. Oh, for sure. No diggity. Yeah. Uh, but it's another Marvel book, and I was extremely, as much as I enjoy the previous volume, this, I was extremely impressed and almost blown away by Moon Knight number one by Jeff Our Lemire. Our man Smallwood. And Greg Smallwood. It is, uh, it's first of all, it's, it's it's a beautiful looking book. It it's it's absolutely stunning. Lemire is doing a um, he's he's focusing on the crazy that is Mark Spector, and um, whether or not everything that he's ever done as Moon Knight was all in his head because he's in a mental institution. And he has been in this mental institution since he was 12 years old. And that's cool. It is just, it's, it's, he, Mark gets abused by the orderlies. Um, (laughs) he, uh, he is when he is, when he comes to and he's in the rec room with, with the rest of the patients, uh, there is somebody there who looks like Marlene. Uh, Crowley comes up and talks to him. He sees somebody that he may have remembered from a diner. There is just, Lemire looks like, it, it looks like he's having fun with, with the character and the character's origins. And it's, yeah, man, I, I'm, wow. I just, I, fin- I got to the last page and I was just like, this is, and I know, we love, we, we love talking shit about Moon Knight when we can. And, and it, you can say it's deserved, but you know, I, our boy Andrew Shaw, who loves Moon Knight, um, when, 
depending on the character, there's sometimes where you're just like, even if you're not digging the story, it's still your character, and you know you're really hoping for the best. But you know he he was going away to Japan, and he could not wait to get back home and buy the issue. He had to buy it before he left, so he could read it on the plane. He just absolutely. Um, he was over the moon about the issue and I read it today and, and I know why I see where he's coming from. It's, it's, it's a really, really strong first issue. If you, like I said, I enjoyed the Ellis run and then when, when Wood came on and then Bun, everybody had their take with that version. This is a fantastic jumping on point. It, it, like I said, it looks fantastic. Smallwood and Belair are doing some fantastic work here. Definitely check out the first issue of the New Moon Knight. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Dap, I mean, um, we didn't talk about it tonight, so maybe next week it'll give people a chance to read it, too, because it did just come out. But uh, the first and only Walking Dead issue ever written by someone other than Robert Kirkman? Yes. Walking yep. Dead Alien, written by Mr. Brian K. Vaughn, drawn by Mr. Marcos Martin, a.k.a. the Panel Syndicate team, did hit the internets today or was it today? Yesterday? Yeah, today. You were kind enough to remind me of that. I read it. Colin, my son, read it as well because he's up to date on the Walking Dead. Awesome. And um, we'll talk about it next week. But uh, yeah. for those that uh, haven't read it, give it a read. And you don't need to be in any way, shape, or form current on Walking Dead to enjoy this issue either. So that is very. If true. you've ever seen the show or even read one issue for the comic, I think this comic will satisfy you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Um, but in your travels. Um, I'm going to shout out a Marvel series that uh, we've we've praised a few times now. Uh, I read Squadron Squadron Supreme numbers four and five. So did I. Nice. We should tag teamed. Well, if we had time. I know Vince is all like, oh, oh, like two you hours, don't have it. Two hours and we're out. Um, Dude, I, I are you serious? By James yeah. Robinson, Leonard Kirk, and Paul Neary, and Mark. Uh, what? Uh, Mark Daring. Uh, he was also he was also inking with with Neary. Oh, is that right? Oh, apologies. Yeah. Okay. Um, the we we learn more about the team, and again, for those that don't remember our prior talks, this is a a post battle world scenario where each of the members of the squadron are displaced members from other versions of the squadron on different Earths. So there's our boy from the new universe. There's uh, Hyperion from the squadron that we're familiar with. There's the spectrum. There's all, you know, we've talked about that already, but, but, um, first of all, we find out that, uh, power princess is not the power princess. We thought <laughs> smooth, She's that was smooth, one. smooth. Um, we, Thundra from our, from six, one, six joins the team. Um, but the coolest thing, at least again, for this lifelong Avengers, Mark, Oh Lord, is that, <laughs> They're brought into Weird World, where a lot of shit's happening in Weird World. Uh, and the nemesis is a former A-list Avengers member. Yeah. You said A-list. We haven't seen in, what, 15, 20 years? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's somebody who... And no, I, it's not Gilgamesh. No, no. It's it's someone it's that not, I it's not, make it's fun not, of whenever I can. It's not Flame Bird. Well, he may have been mentioned during Secret Warriors, but yeah, oh, maybe. we really pretty much haven't seen him in a while. Well, right, exactly. Secret Warriors has 
there's a character that has a tie to that character. Yeah. But we have not seen this specific character since then. And I, for one, am feeling very, very satisfied to have him back in the world, in my world. You don't share my opinion. I don't know who it is. That. We lose that. Oh, I think we lost him. We did. Holy shit. Yeah, he got dropped. Vince, you want to guess who I'm talking about? An A-list Avenger that well, we I, haven't seen. I was seen. putting A-list in quotes. I was being facetious. Oh, okay. We haven't seen this character in 15 Avengers years. Avengers member that is now a villain. Many would consider him one of the most ridiculous Avengers members ever. Star Fox. No, no. Below I'm him. Kidding. Below Star Fox. <sighs> Triathlon. Same level. Same, I don't same know. vintage. I don't know. Dr. Druid. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I kind of like Dr. Druid. How hot Druid. is that? <laughs> it's, it's, it's very hot. Yes. He can't be corporeal in our world anymore, but he can be physical in the real, weird world. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's a nice, nice spin. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Super dope, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, while we're trying to get uh, Jason back, I would like Jason. to just, or David, wow. sorry. I would like to send out a thank you to Mr. Tom Scholey and uh, John Barber. I got the uh, issue number 12 mm-hmm. of Transformers versus G.I. Joe. And um, only one more issue left. It's your own fault if you didn't buy it. But um, aside from uh, Defensors in here, um, Metroplex versus Trypticon, Metroplex gut punches them. But there's one single panel that was worth the entire journey. And it's Wheeljack is holding a blaster like John Cusack in no Say Anything. No way, Sandy. Seriously, seriously. Dude, that is awesome. I know. I'm like three issues behind. I got to catch up. Oh, my God. And it's 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 insane. The book is That's just awesome. totally insane. Yeah, yeah. surely back on in a while. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just to have that um, remembrance from, you know, whether it's a great movie or not, everybody knows that scene. And oh, it just it, it resonates, but um, Wheeljack and, and Blaster in the same. That is uh, awesome. Now, what's going on with with David? Is he not he able to? He's ready for you to bring him in. Okay, let's see if uh, Skype will play fair, and it does. David, I guess the identity of. Oh, you don't have to guess because you read it. Yes. Yeah, my everyone's favorite. Everyone's Dr. favorite A-lister. Doctor Druid. Yeah. Yeah, you can. <laughs> Would have been better if it was like Master Pandemonium or something. I like Master Pandemonium. It's pretty cool no? that Jake brought Dr. Drew back, don't you think? It is. It is. Oh, yeah, no. It's, and he, he's the type, it's, it's weird that like he's a foil for the Squadron Supreme. It, it's, he should be back and Weird World's a good place for him to be brought back and, um, it, it, he's a neat enough foil. I, I don't think, especially if you're, uh, a, a, a magical character, you should never really be gone. No. Uh, um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with the character being back. I, I didn't even remember really about the whole dumpster fire thing and, and, 
uh, Hellstrom. <laughs> Who did? <laughs> Who did? <laughs> Robinson apparently. Um, and, and Jason, cause he's got every issue of the Avengers except for three. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things where, um, no, it's, I, I didn't eye roll or groan when he showed up, but I was just like, I, I had a feeling it was coming when I got to that last page and I'm like, oh, who else is going to be in that fucking cloak? So yeah, but it was, it, it was cute. Dr. Druid's going to take over the world right after he stops at the barbers. Mm. Right. See, I it's thought it was Tilda Swinton, but. I want Scarlett Johansson. So much in this world I don't understand. Dude, you know what I thought was hilarious? Mm. Uh, the links that people were posting of uh, the popular forums in Japan and their reaction to the news about Ghost in the Machine? Uh-huh. Uh, Ghost in the Shell? Go- Ghost in the Shell, Shell. yeah. Um, dude, everyone was like totally nonplussed. They are like, whatever. <laughs> because they have better things to right. do. Right, and I was just like, man, it just so highlights the fucking hypersensitivity of this fucking hipster generation. Like, mm-hmm. they fucking manufacture reasons to be offended, even when it's not pertinent to the people that should be offended by it. Yes. Like, I'm literally, like, I, I mean... be offended like, on your behalf. Like, literally, there were thousands of people on the most popular pop culture forum in Japan saying, whatever, I don't care. And yet... I was lectured for a week about daring to suggest that it wasn't as offensive as people put it forth. Now, real talk. Have you read any of the Shiro manga? I've read Ghost in the Shell. Do you mean, why don't you, I don't know what, is Shiro a term? I don't know what that means. Uh, that's the, the, the Masamune Shiro. Oh, you mean that's the creator. The, okay, I'm sorry. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 now, I watched the anime. I, I don't know. There, I watched the first, I don't know if the first, I watched like the the main anime. Yeah, and I've yeah I've, I, I've read uh, I've read a little bit of the of the manga. Yeah, okay. Real talk. If he didn't draw as well as he did, it does the women. I mean, he has an impeccable take on women. If he di- and, and machinery, the the, sh- the the way he draws technology is dense and just beautiful sure. to look at. If it didn't look as good as it does, the manga itself is incomprehensible. It doesn't make any sense. I'm with you. I, I, on any level. Like, it's just, I, I'm, it's I'm glad you bring that up because I know it's like anathema to, to acknowledge this, but I, I, I make, I make no claim to be an expert in, in manga or anime. I, I, my exposure to it is very limited, but in the stuff that I have been exposed to, I thought Ghost in the Show was I, but it was like, it was alright, like from a visual perspective, but, the story's like crazy flawed. Seriously, and and the um the stuff that comes after, like the human error processor and the man machine interface, like I have it all. I've read it. There, there's a a point where he just masturbates in the digital realm. Like he just puts in every damn effect he can because the technology is available to him, and it, it's so cold. But the way he draws women, oh my god, like. He is, he's up there with Mobius in, in his rendering of, of the human form. But as far as the story, makes no damn sense at all. It's just, it's gobbledygook. It's funny you say that because, uh, I had my family watch Prince Mononoke with me. Uh huh. And they were all looking at me like, the fuck? <laughs> like, from, from my seven year old to my 40, 40 year old wife, she, they're all like, why are we, what, why do you make us watch this? I'm like, this is fucking cartooning at its absolute finest. And they're like, 
story doesn't make a fucking sense. Makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, you're not wrong there, really, but it's fucking beautiful. Yeah. I, the, 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 uh, the chewy center of Ghost in the Shell is, yes, it's worth exploring, but just the whole, um, I, I think it's, it's, it's more, uh, the authors just being enamored with technology. Yeah. And for te- well, technologies. No, you're going Yeah, no, I, it leaves me cold. It is. Yeah. It, it does. The, the, just the, not the drawing, mm-hmm. the story. Just complete blank. I mean, real talk, I have to say, I'm, I'm really quite touched and pleased at, at the fact that we had a really deep, uh, diverse, engaged discussion on the Facebook group about that topic. Um, you know, I, I admittedly, I, I started the thread with the idea and with the caveat that, look, I want to talk about this, but I'm coming at this from a place where I'm struggling to understand why people are offended. And so, but I also recognize that I'm a 40 year old white dude. So, you know, I, clearly I get it. Like I'm not like I, I'm more than likely not the one that's going to be prone to be offended by this, but can you all, can we have a, like rational conversation about this issue without flaming each other or like taking shit personally. And, you know, a testament to our community, we had a massively detailed conversation with dozens of people contributing that didn't get offensive or testy. People voiced their views. They expressed very emotional, strong opinions on both sides and nobody called each other stupid or derailed each other or dismissed each other's views. And I, I'm very, very, like honestly giddy that we can still have that kind of dialogue and discourse amongst each other. Um, and I found it very informative to hear other people's perspectives because, you know, joking aside, clearly this was a hot button issue for a lot of people. And I, I, again, I didn't quite get it, but I'm not saying that I necessarily agree with it being an issue for some, but I, I definitely respect where people are coming from now more than I did before. Um, I will say just for me, I, I, my struggle with this as being a tentpole thing to combat is that it's a, it's, it's a animated thing. It's a, it's a manga which got turned into an anime, which is by definition drawn in a way where the character's features were westernized and it's a cyborg. So I guess I just find it hard to like be offended that because it has a Japanese name, we should presume that the character can only be portrayed by a Japanese actress. And the, the, I thought the best part of the whole discussion throughout that whole week and the faux outrage I saw on the internet was that, uh, <laughs> Jay Tomio was like, dude, I, I, I'm seeing all these people offended saying they should have hired an Asian. He's like, fuck all of them. He's like, Asian is not synonymous with Japanese. And he's so right. Right. Like, Everyone was like, oh, it's so ridiculous that they didn't hire an Asian actress for this. And he's like, a fucking, like, Asian, like, that's as offensive, if not more, than hiring a white girl to do it. He's like, I, I, he's like, a Japanese woman is not the same as a Korean woman, is not the same as a Chinese woman, is not the same as a fucking Vietnamese woman. Like, yet, I'm seeing all these fucking people holier than thou saying, oh my god, how could you not cast an Asian in that role? He's like, fuck them. Like, what does that even mean, Asian? He's like, I, I, like, if you're gonna really fucking come to, come to, defense of the issue come the defense of the issue which is that it's a japanese work and should be cast as a japanese woman right and i was like yeah that really does kind of put a final point on it like people are getting offended for the sake of being offended you know sure like i honestly I just... have, and again like i have one japanese friend who i consider a close friend who reads comics and that's tomio 
and he wasn't offended by it. And I realized that's a super tiny, small sample, but everyone I saw take like real issue with it. Like weren't Japanese. Like they were white dudes and black dudes, like for the most part. And like, it's like, yeah. I get it. Like, look again, I, you, everyone has the right to feel how they feel, but I don't know. It just seems like, like, I guess what I, and maybe I, I hope I convey this in the thread, but like, I feel like whitewashing is a legitimate issue. Like, as exhibited by the Oscars this past year. But, like, I feel like a lot of times in today's day and age, people sometimes sub-mine a legitimate issue by taking an issue with a marginal thing that's more easily dispatched. So, like, this is a case of that. Like, I think the issue of whitewashing in Hollywood is very legitimate. But I think you got to kind of save your bullets. Because when you make this your fucking temple it can be so easily dismissed, right? Right. Which then kind of obfuscates the broader issue, which is legitimate, you know? So it's true. that's kind of my, that was kind of why I took kind of, and where I really had trouble understanding was I had people tell me on Twitter that they actually think Scarlett Johansson and her agent had a duty, a moral duty to turn this job down. Right. Because they should have had, a sensitivity to this and said, no, I can't do this role. Oh my God. And that's just bananas to me. Like we live in a capitalist society. You have a U.S. based Western studio making a Western version of a Japanese piece of fiction and it needs to be marketable in the West because it's being made for U.S. consumption first and foremost. So, could Ghost in a Shell be a successful film with a Japanese actress in the lead? Sure. I don't see why not. Like, ultimately, it's going to rise or fall on the quality of the film and people's uh, interest in the work. But, like, is Scarlett Johansson one of the most bankable female actresses in the world? She is. Um, so, like, I, just, I don't know. Like, I struggle with it, you know? Like, I, I think that, like, there's, like, so many examples of legitimate whitewashing that should be offensive to people like, like that Egypt movie, like that's offensive. <laughs> that's yes. Right. Like making a movie about fucking ancient Egypt and having 100% of the cast be Caucasian is ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Right. Like making a movie about Jesus Christ and having him be a fucking a white Italian dude is absurd. Like that's ridiculous. Like there are lots of examples of ridiculousness, right? Yeah, it's like Peter Jackson would be the Antichrist in this. No, right, he didn't cast real hobbits like, in there. That, like there are legitimate <laughs> things that are ridiculous. Yeah, like um, I know. yeah, I mean the Hobbit. Like there's nary a fucking <laughs> a fictional character of color in those books. Like that's kind of crazy. Like, but so, but like having read some Ghost in the Shell and having seen the manga, like I, she looks Western to me. Like I know she's got a Japanese name. I I, I appreciate that, but like. She's got Western features. Does she not? She does. Right? I Big round so. eyes. I mean, I, I don't think, I think ScarJo, if you were to take a, if an illustrator was to draw ScarJo with that haircut, I don't think she would look that different from the character we saw in the manga. Yeah, it's just, I mean, you've, you've spent, um, the time in which you've talked about this is, is kind of the, the amount of attention I've devoted to no, this. No, I, 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 I just I'm, don't pay I'm attention to it. I'm probably giving to... it more, more 
attention yeah, that it deserves. It's, I realize it's that. craziness. It's just people who have way too much time on their hands, or they're not doing what they should be doing and focusing. Like it's it's a it's a um, a deviation from the the mon the mundane uh, world for them. So oh, I'm gonna get all up I mean, and, you and find yourself like, in the same boat. Like I mean, oh. like I this is an old man thing, I think, but like I I genuinely often find myself like looking at the world now and thinking people are actively pursuing things to be offended by. Yeah. I've come to terms with the fact that the world has moved on from, from me. Like, uh, there, the majority of the things I encounter on a daily basis, I could not care any less than I already do. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just impossible. Um, people get up in arms over things like this and, and under it, it really, it bewilders me that at the very core of this, you're talking about entertainment. Yes, exactly. You're getting upset about your entertainment not being tailored to your specifics. Right. That's, that's just crazy. It's, 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 it's a, um, a, a self-centered outlook in which I do not subscribe. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't put myself that high on the food chain to, to think that anyone could even remotely consider what I have to say or think or feel right. in regards to this or anything else like worthwhile. Like who cares what you think? No one does well, besides yourself. I mean, well, I know where you're coming from on this. I would argue people do care what like their friends think. And, they, and as crazy as I think a lot of people do care what we think only because Kind of an evidence that's, that's that the show's popularity, equally, but equally bewildering. But, bewildering. But, yeah, but yeah. yeah, I mean, Dap. I mean, I don't know if you talked to Renee about this, but like, does she have an opinion on like whitewashing? I mean, that like, does she? Does she think it's legitimate? Does she? Not, I'm not like no, I wrote, she, she probably has no idea about this ghost in the shell thing, but like, does she? She, um, we were talking about it a little bit, and it's she. She does. Um, she is not a fan of obviously of um of of getting getting other races to play um i mean as far as this when i'm trying to explain the the, the outrage from the beginning before like you mentioned what 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 they're saying over in japan about the whole thing but um you know she she tends to put a different spin on things because as a white dude, there are things that I'm oblivious to that I know that things, these things exist, but whether you say I'm privileged or I just don't look for it, but whereas it's something that she's always experienced or witnessed. And, um, so I get, I get a different take on it in that regard. But yeah, I mean, as far as when, when you're going to, um, you know, the whole, going back to, to blackface or, or, or black actresses passing so that they could appear white or get white roles and, um, but she is not down with the whole, uh, like, 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 like the Egypt movie where, you know, we're just gonna get a bunch of white people there. It's it, why, just there's nothing wrong with people looking the part if if that's what the um if that's what the role calls for but she's also of the mind that you know if if the if the story is good if you're not if if you're not trying to tell 
that story, you're not going to put like some Italian dude in the middle of China, like you know, <laughs> right. the last samurai, you know, why it's just, there's some things, yeah. but it, it's, it also has to do with, you know, if, if it makes sense to the story, if that's where, if that's where they're going. So, I mean, and, and she likes ScarJo, but is, and, you know, maybe we'll see this if it's decent and, and, you know, we, we, we hear good things about it, but, um, you know, it's not like, like, like I'll, if I'm trying to watch, the, the first Huntsman movie and, and like Kirsten Stewart's in it and I'm like, that well, she just kills everything dead because oh, that was terrible. she can't act for shit. It's like, you know, everything else is so great about this movie. She's got Chris Hemsworth she's looking at. I'm enjoying she released her on. And then here comes Stewart and it's just so, I know. uh, there's just some things that just, like, so. like, I mean, I didn't watch the Twilight films, but my wife did. I can't like, has Kristen Stewart ever emoted once? No, no, that's the crazy part. Right? But it's it, 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 it's like putting Winona Ryder, you know, in like Pride and Prejudice, or, or you know, it's just like some things just yeah. don't. Doesn't matter how popular, how 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 great you may think somebody is, how how profitable or bankable that they are, but if if it's just not going to work, it's square peg round hole things like that. So, dude, the other one that baffled me was the whole. When Danny Rand was cast by, when they cast a white blonde to be Danny Rand. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, uh, you mean perfect casting? I'm like, I'm yeah. like, listen, I'm like, I get it. Like, if they cast Shang-Chi as a white dude, like, yes, that would be, but, and I, and, and apparently, if they made Luke Cage the thing a is, fucking white dude, like, that's retarded. But, like, Danny Rand is a white dude. Like, and then I hear, like, and, and, you know, and, and Marjorie Lou, uh, Eisner nominated Marjorie Lou, uh, yeah. who I think is a very, Fine writer. I, I think Monsters is great. And, um, like she was hella offended about that casting. And I'm like, I don't understand. Like, I, like, because, because they, what, what, what the impression I'm under is that when Danny Rand, when Iron Fist was created, instead of it being an outsider, basically what back in the seventies, when this character was created, we took a white dude and Put him, we were making sure that everybody knew that the white guy was going to save the day. So even though it was Danny and his parents, because his father went crazy and was looking for this place and, and ended up finding yeah, Danny's the outsider. Right. And, and it's the whole point is that here's somebody who doesn't look like the rest of the people here ends up with the power. They're like, just like when, Putting Carradine in Kung Fu instead of actually giving it to Bruce Lee or somebody who could do the part, right. they just they made a white guy. The white guy's the savior. They they just put a white face there. So they're they're. I'm not saying they're digging, but they they just figure instead of looking at the character, we're looking at his origins and how these white people created this white character to be the one to save the day. Now is the chance for us to make a change, and we can actually have the right person play Iron Fist. Never mind the fact that it was I just the whole thing about Panama and Iron Fist is here's the street black dude and here's the pretty boy right, white it's guy, Ivory, rich family. It. Yeah, it's like that's that's where I was coming from with it. And I'm like, and he's it's you're not gonna have if if he already looks the part, why are they looking for the mystical city? Why are it's like it just it makes sense. I, I get where they're like, okay, now we're going to finally win because we're going to have somebody that looks like us as this character. But that's not who this character is. That would have been that would I would have thought that would have been pandering if they decided to make him Jackie Chan or somebody like. It's just why why 
not just like Vince said. In this case, it's perfect casting. When they come out with Shang Chi, I better see somebody. No, and I'm with you. And and that's the thing. Like, don't you feel like you could have just as many people arguing that Shang Chi is like a racist construct? Like I've heard that made. Like, oh, he's yeah, Marvel in the seventies kid. Oh, we get it. Yeah, yellow claw. So how can we have it both ways? And look, and I and I listen, listen to those still listening and haven't signed up for the week. Uh, I get that we are three middle-aged white dudes talking about this. And so if you're a person of color, say it, I'm not white. I'm Sicilian. If you're a person of color listening to this and you're offended, like I apologize. Like I'm not trying to be insensitive to it, but I'm saying like, I, I don't like, again, like I think there are legitimate issues with whitewashing. So, but I think like these are not the things then to fucking plant a flag on. Like, Right. Like a, a character that's a, again, a fictional illustrated character that from the start has been a white blonde dude being cast as a white blonde dude. There should be bigger battles to fight, right? Like, I don't know. Like, I, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, especially yeah. by the way with like, I think, I mean, I think that Netflix has done a pretty nice job of like handling casting and diversity. So far in the Marvel. Oh, across the board. Not even you just know? the Marvel stuff, but I mean everything that they've done. Yeah. So like, I mean, like, again, it's like you're going to kind of like biting off your nose to spite your face a little bit on that one. You know, a little bit. Anyway, enough, yeah. enough of the bully pulpit. All um, right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us through this, uh, thrilladilla. It was a long one. And, uh, hey, hope you were entertained. If you were, do us a solid. Give us an iTunes review or um, another review at wherever it was that you downloaded this. Um, uh, we will be back next week, as usual, waiting for you with bated breath because David can't have it any other way. Sort of. He needs you. No, it's true. He needs you here. I need you here. Jason, you know, he doesn't care. But David and I do. So come back. As usual, say goodnight. David. Good night. David. Oh, you did so the whole awesome. thing. You had the script. You did. I'm in four seasons like I'm Say bye. Peace. Yeah.